This, this, this is the Cigar Authority. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. The authority on everything cigar. Respect my authority. Who got the lighter? In and out of the cigar industry with your hosts, David Garofalo. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. Mr. Jonathan. He's confident, smart, witty, dynamic, a monster. And Chuck Morrison. This is a hard job. So I was working at McDonald's. It's time to light him up. It's time for the Cigar Authority. It's the Catalina f- wine mixer. It's about to get all stupid up in here. Light him up, light him up, light him up, everybody. April 5th, 2014, broadcasting live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. And this week, Hollywood comes to the Cigar Authority. You might remember him in Private Benjamin with Goldie Hawn, or opposite Danny DeVito and Jack Nicholson in Hoffa. He loves cigars so much, he created his own brand called Aura Vivo. He is Armand DeSante. Also, he was our first live guest on the Cigar Authority over four years ago, and he's back with his own cigar, Victor Vitali from Legacy Brands in his Tortuga brand. That's what's happening. Hollywood comes to, to the Cigar Authority. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Cigar Authority, the only radio show in the U.S., and yes, the world that is always broadcast on location, this week featuring Armand Asante. And we're the only show that doesn't just allow smoking, we insist and demand that you light up along with us. You tune in at the Cigar Authority where you can watch us live or catch the podcast on demand at any time. You find us on iTunes or YouTube where you can set it and forget it. Just click the button, subscribe, and you're in like Flynn. I understand the highlight of his career right now. He's done a lot of things, uh, red carpet, all kinds of stuff. But the Cigar Authority, he must be saying, I've reached it. I'm there. I have arrived. Or he's hanging his head in shame and saying, what the hell am I doing? And I'm going with that. <laughs> what the hell happened? Why? You know why? Because he actually loves cigars. He is a cigar <laughs> geek. He was picking my brain downstairs earlier. He was like, what, what's with this asylum thing? So this is just not a guy that said, let me attach my name to a cigar because I have a name and people know who I am from the movies and things like that. But no, a guy that loves cigars that much. And he sought out. Victor Vitale, which I'm curious to ask him about that, he actually went and got Victor, not the other way, way around, around with, and yeah, said, I want to come out with a cigar <clears throat> brand. How do I go about doing yeah. this? So it's interesting, and he, he had some nice things to say about uh, Victor when uh, he first came in here. I took him for a little tour of the store, and um, he said, uh, no, I'm so happy I'm, I'm with him. So we'll, we'll see what happened, happened with that and his cigar that we have here. This is uh, Aura Vivo. O-R-A-V-I-V-O, and there's actually two versions of this. The version with the black box, we'll call it. Uh, The packaging is black. And um, there's one that we have just for today, which is actually um, a blend that's very, very similar. I understand 5% more Lajero. Uh, The sizes are a little thinner, uh, and this is a European version of it and uh, made only for Europe. But, uh, Chuck, I'm going to... I'll come to you. Okay. This... um, this particular um, blend, I guess, is only made for for Europe, Europe, and it's got a little more strength to it. Um, so, because it's special, and today is special, we'll uh, we'll take the uh, ribbon footband off it, and uh, we'll uh, begin to uh, go through this process. It's time right now to cut our cigar. The official cutting is brought to you by our, our friends at Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand that, while all of the cigar brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, 
and excellence. And we'll cut just a little bit off the head of the cigar, above the shoulder, above the cap, not to cut too far down and have the cigar unravel on us. A nice, beautiful, even cut, and we're going to go through. This is the Vortex. This is the Vortex. And the reason I picked the Vortex <clears throat> is we need a guarantee. We got Armand Asante on. We get one shot to get this right, and I had to make sure that the lighter was going to work 100%. And so this lighter has never, ever failed me. I wanted to make sure we had enough in case other people were with them. Big tank. It's got a big tank, triple jet, little dual action, flip top, and it lights every single time. Triple jet, and this is a, uh, the size we're using here is the Toro. It's kind of a thin Toro. And, and maybe um, a 6 by 50 I don't know. You think it's a 50? 50s look, all of a sudden, 50 ring gauge looks thin. Puny. Because of the big, thick cigars, and, and, and Amand... Uh, couldn't help but notice the big, thick cigars that are all over, all over the shelves. Mm. And that's what's selling. So uh, what are you going to do? <sighs> Only two types of cigars, my friends, those that sell and those that don't. Amen. And right now, uh, thick cigars are selling, so we're selling them. Who said that? Eric Newman. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Newman did say that. Did he say it? Did well, it's, it's the truth. That's, what, that's what's happening out there. So... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, we get a call from Victor and says uh, Armand has a cigar. We're rocking with it anyway. Um, the regular line, we have a European version, and if you will accept Armand coming in your store for a few hours, um, we'll actually let you buy these cigars for that. What a silly, silly right. question. And the answer would you, was, would you like to have a movie star in your store? Um, no, yes. I'm good. Yeah, yeah going to hurt my business. <laughs> and uh, right from uh, the get-go, opening the doors this oh, morning. Oh, madhouse. Uh, people are coming in and shaking his hand, and he's very personable, and you think you must have heard the same questions and I'm things sure. asked a million times, uh, and we're going to try to do the exact same thing when we have more. <laughs> I don't know. I, I asked out there on Facebook land and everything, anybody have any questions that I should ask so we, we would not be coming them? Well, we could say boxers or briefs. I'm sure no one's <laughs> asked him that. What if we find out that he goes commando? Yeah. Do we care? We're, we're a guy cigar, cigar type thing. And do we just talk about cigars or do we talk about Hollywood? And um, I don't know. I just didn't want to be that guy and ask these same stupid questions. It is tough. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, folks. I got nothing. I got, I got things written down, but it, it's... Ask him about cigars. Like what he likes, you know? Uh, he's got to smoke something smokes, besides he just Oravivo. I'm sure there's other brands that he's into. His first cigar. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I wonder if he's had problems on set, like we have problems lighting a cigar somewhere or something. And, you know, there's a lot of space in between times, in between takes and things like that. So he sits there, lights a cigar. How about his love scenes? He just got through done with a uh, couple of cigars, and now it's time for a love scene. That's awesome. You know, do you have... Uh, <laughs> I don't go- even think about that anymore. I mean, my wife will make out with me, and I must taste like an ashtray. She's probably used to it by now. By now, but that's not an easy thing. Yeah. I secretly will tell you, I dated a girl that smoked, and I used to like making out with her the most after she was smoking. Really? It was a sick little, like, fetish thing I had going on. You like what it tasted like? I did. It was dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dirtier, the better. Nice trailer trash yeah. bra. Yeah. <laughs> with her low-cut spaghetti straps. There we go. Hey, now. Bad attitude. Um, opening day, uh, baseball, yep. all over the place. Yeah, uh, Do you hear they want to make it a national holiday? No. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, there's a petition. 
Uh, Ozzy Smith, some other Hall of Famers, some, uh, some politicians have uh, put together a petition to make opening day a national holiday. And if there's a petition to make that not happen, I want to sign that one. America's pastime. I mean, you saw all the attention the steroid scandal received. I mean, there's a lot worse problems going on, in my opinion, in this right. country than they spent, athletes. They, they spent three or four weeks working on the steroid scandal, right. and they spent three or four days working on the budget. I think they might have <laughs> things a little reversed. Yeah. You know, Super Bowl Sunday is all but a national holiday. Yeah, it, right. it, it is a holiday. Yeah, no one has to work <clears throat> on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, it's a Sunday one, but... Football is bigger than baseball, I think. Yes. Yeah. So why would baseball get a national holiday and not football? Because it's the American pastime. Although there's more uh, Dominicans and uh, Puerto Ricans and things like that playing American baseball than Americans, I would imagine. Yeah, that's true. Yep. I yep. mean, they, they, they do what we used to do when I was a kid. They, they have pickup games in their neighborhoods, even in the United well, States. Well, it doesn't cost anything to play. It's basically somebody's got a bat, somebody's got a ball, you've got a game, right? Yep, pretty much. You don't even really need a glove. The, uh, the folks at Asylum, you bring an Asylum up, uh, they uh, open their cigar bar in uh, Detroit's uh, Comerica Park? Yep, Comerica Park, Park, yeah. Um, Detroit Tigers opening uh, up, renamed the what, what was once the Camacho Cigar Bar. Camacho was Christian Aroa selling out to Davidoff. Um, Davidoff must have let it go, so Christian went with the Asylum Cigar Bar. And opened it up, hosting a variety of blends um, at the at the bar. Um, co-founder Tom Lazuka said, "We're very excited about the opportunity to bring good cigars to the park and uh, watch a good old-fashioned baseball game." Uh, that fe- interesting. It features a full bar, beautiful waitstaff, luxurious, comfortable couches, and premium cigars from the CLE Cigar Company. Uh, being able to put the uh, Asylum Cigar Bar on, uh, in the park uh, for the opening game uh, was important to them. Uh, it was Christian, uh, christened opening day, March 31st. Christian Aroa was there along with Tom Luzuka, and um, supposedly uh, a great time was had by everyone except the one thing that was missing at that park. After 15 years, Charlie Maroos, the opera-singing hot dog vendor was fired what? before the game. Before the game. So apparently there was a guy there that would sell the hot dogs and sing opera style, hot dogs. And this is what he had done for 15 probably years. Probably he didn't sing it that way. No, probably much, much better. <laughs> no, but he <laughs> was thinking he probably did it worse. That was pretty good. Yeah. But <laughs> this guy, 15 years of doing this, he was like a staple that was happening inside there. And why do you think he was let go? Oh, man. You, you, don't, you have no idea about he the story? Brushing, Smoking a cigar. No? He was brushing up against uh, women's chesticle region. Because he didn't like ketchup. And he criticized people who liked it. I'm with him. I knew you were. I, I knew we you need were. To do, what we need to do Come is on. get a petition going to get that guy rehired and have ketchup fired. Ketchup on hot dogs. Ketchup is the devil. Come on. And he would have a problem with it, and he always let people know it when they said, you know, he's got the package of mustard and relish, and he had ketchup, and somebody would say ketchup, and he'd go, really, man? You don't put ketchup on a hot dog. You do you don't. Well, yes, you do. You, you load don't. the thing. Yes, you Not do. with ketchup. You do ketchup, you do mustard, you do relish. Why don't you put mayonnaise on it and have special nah, sauce you while you're at it? You could do some hot sauce, though. 
You don't put ketchup. You don't put ketchup on anything. Come on. No, ketchup is the devil. David? Not on a hot dog. Really? No. That's kid stuff. Oh, my God. Do you go naked on the hot dog? No, I go mustard relish. I'll go mustard alone. I could go naked on a hot dog, nothing. But really, I, I, I got to have at least mustard on it. But ketchup is a no-no. It's, it's very childish. It's childish. Weak. Yeah. It's weak. It's classic. It's weak sauce. Classic. That's what that is. Ketchup is weak sauce. <sighs> Boys. Boys. That's, that's what I think. Anyway, but this poor guy was actually fired <laughs> because of it. Now, this That's guy, discrimination. And I'll tell you, we got to let the freedom of speech thing go. We got to let people say what they want to say. Yeah. yeah. There's too much of this going on. People are being fired for opening their mouth saying stuff. It's in the news I mean, every day. What's he supposed to do? Let people put ketchup on a hot dog? Without saying anything? You got to say something. It's a public service announcement. You didn't know any better, Chuck. Now you know, and knowing <laughs> is half the battle. Hey, listen. He can say it. Joe. He can say it. You can say it. That's he, fine. I'm he, not going to fire he you. He can't. He got fired. He got fired. I'm wondering if there's anything that I could say to a customer about what they're buying that would get me fired. Well, I'm, I'm sure wondering. There is. If, if, he, if he bought the big uh, six by 80 and you go, really, man? <laughs> would that get me fired? I wouldn't like that you said it because <laughs> it's what the guy likes I'll, or something. I don't have to smoke it. I'll tell you this. Are ketchup sales that big for the Tigers? I mean... Well, they don't sell ketchup. It's a free condom, and he was That's doing them a I favor. Uh, Adam, in our Seabrook location, will actually tease people for buying the asylum. He's like, wow, you've got, you're really secure in your manhood to put something that big in your mouth. He actually says it, and they'll buy two. Right. That's what I found when I, when I, when I say something to somebody, <laughs> really, man, they buy two just to, because this is how cigar people are, so it's usually... People uh, are going to wind up getting more ketchup just to bust their <clears> ass <throat> chops. That's what I would do. Oh, yeah. And I don't eat hot dogs or ketchup. And you'd put it on the hot dog. I'd put it on, and I'd be like, dude, see this? I don't know if I would. All right. We're smoking the Aura Vivo. This is the European version. This is the white box. If you ever see it anywhere, it's something for you to try. The regular uh, black box. Not finding a dramatic difference in it, but from what Victor Vitale tells me is we have 5% more Lajero in it and a thinner, thinner, thinner ring gauge, which he says is given a little more potency to it. I actually... Uh, it's like having a little bit of black pepper onto your salad. So you got, you got a salad, and, and it salad's good, and there's lots happening. There's no lettuce. There's no ketchup on the salad at all. Maybe just a touch of, of oil no and ketchup, vinegar. No ketchup. Whatever you do. Is there any salad dressing that has ketchup in but it? But there is. Really? French dressing is ketchup and mayonnaise for all oh, intent and purposes. Oh, God. Just to let you know. Uh, but, yeah, disgusting. <laughs> so you just add a little bit of black pepper to the mix, and then you've got the Oravivo white. But no ketchup. No ketchup. Or mayonnaise. None. None. Usually there's a flavor of the wheat. There we go. I was getting nervous there, Chuck. <laughs> there we go. Hey, uh, it's this time for American Classic History, brought to you by our friends at Alec Bradley, American Classic Cigars. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! You've heard of epic rap battles, and now it's time for the epic battle for this day in American classic history. He's looking at you, kid. Featuring Mr. Jonathan. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Versus Chuck. Game over, man. Game over. Making mountains move. Morrison. Go ahead. Make my day. Brought to you by Alec Bradley. American classic cigars. Alec Bradley, American Classic Cigars are affordably priced and inspired by cigars popular in America 
in the early part of the 20th century. Mild to medium body blends of specially aged Nicaraguan long filler tobaccos. Celebrate today with an Alec Bradley American Classic Cigar. Okay, you know how it works. It's the closest without going over. It's Mr. Jonathan versus Chuck Morris for this day in American Classic history. Today, April 5th, and I believe it still goes over the I'm Chuck. I'm on the biggest losing streak ever. <laughs> uh, Chuck Morrison. Sir. Today's birthday, Ruth Elizabeth Davis. Nothing. A.K.A. Betty Davis was an American actress. She's got Betty Davis eyes. She does. Television and theater, best known as the greatest female of all time. Uh, Born in Lowell, Massachusetts, she won an Academy Award for the Best Actress twice. The first person to accrue Temi, 10 Academy Award nominations. First woman to uh, get a Lifetime Achievement Award for the American Film Institute. She's got Betty Davis eyes. Uh, She is Betty Davis. Born today. What year? Oh, man. All right, Betty Davis. Golden Girls, right? No. That's oh. Betty White, you tool bag. <laughs> I got nothing, you guys. I got nothing. You don't know who Betty Davis is? <laughs> I don't. You, we, have, we have Amanda Sante here, and you don't know who Betty Davis oh, is. You, it's my ignorance, brother. You put the uh in loser. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to say uh, 1929. 1929. Oh. I'm going to have to say 1930. 1930, you're both over. It's 1908. See what I did there? Mr. Jonathan. I, I see what you did. There yeah. you go. Uh, Gregory Peck. Today's Gregory Peck's birthday. Another American actor. See how I went there? We got an actor today, so I went with birthdays of American actors. Um, one of the world's most popular uh, films, To Kill a Mockingbird, yeah. earned Academy Award for Best Actor, Spellbound, um, Roman Holiday, Moby Dick, The Guns of Navarone, Cape Fear, How the West Was Won, The Omen, The Boys of Brazil. You know him. Gregory Peck celebrating his birthday today. What year was he born? 1909. 1909. 1910. 1910 for the win. It's 1916, and that's one for Chuck. Thank you. Moving over to... See what I did there? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Chuck Morrison. Frank Gershon. He's an American actor. He was the uh, actor who, and, and comedian. He also did a lot of voiceovers, uh, impressionists. He uh, appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show, The Tonight Show with Steve Allen. Best known for his role as the Riddler in Batman, live action series. Born today. What year? All right. Uh, Frank Gershon. 42. 1942. <clears throat> 35. 35. Both over in 1933. Oh, so close. Mr. Jonathan, today's the birthday of Colin Powell, retired four-star general for the U.S. Army. He was the 65th United States uh, Secretary of State, served under George W. Bush from 2001 to 2005, first African-American to serve in that position. Today's his birthday, Colin Powell. What 41. Year 41. 42. 42, both over, 1937. My God, you guys, uh, it's one to nothing so far. <laughs> Chuck's got it. It's going over to Chuck. All right. Died this day. He oh. died this day. <clears throat> Howard Hughes, American businessman, inventor, uh, aerospace engineer, and filmmaker. Uh, wealthiest man in the world at one time. Maverick film producer. Hughes gained promise uh, in the 1920s for his big budget. Controversial films like The Racket, Hell's Angels, Scarface, The Outlaw. Uh, he had the Spruce Goose, owned American Airlines. Um, Hughes is remembered to be an eccentric, be- eccentric behavior of his lifestyle, causing him uh, to uh, obscurity. Hmm. And uh, he died today. What year? 
1980. 1980. I'm going to go 81 for the win, Alec. Uh, you both over once Come again. Come on. 1976. Ugh. So it's one to nothing. I got one question left. It goes to Mr. Jonathan. Got nothing, kid. An exact would give you a win. Yes, it would. Nothing. A win will give you a tie. A loss will make you a bigger loser than you are right now. <laughs> Die today. <laughs> Die today, Mr. Jonathan. Kurt Kilbane, American singer, songwriter, and guitarist. Nirvana. Fetal matter. Fetal matter. Murdered. Uh, uh, died today. Suicide. What year? 94. Two points. Boom. Two points. Never mess with a DJ when the chips are down. This day in American history brought to you by American Classic Cigars. Alec Bradley's American Classic Cigars. Celebrate today. April 5th with an Alec Bradley American Classic Cigar. So Armand DeSante is right here looking at us. I'm very nervous because he knows a good actor from a bad actor. (laughs) He's looking and he knows this is a mess. He realizes how bad it is, but he's going to put his best acting foot forward and make believe like he's enjoying himself to some degree. I'm going to go with that anyway. That's what I'm going with. Yeah? So uh, let's go to break, and we come back. Hollywood comes to the Cigar Authority will be joined by a great actor. So great, he might even act like he's enjoying himself being here. That's how good he is. He was gaudy. He was Mike Hammer. He was Napoleon. He is Armand DeSante. He's coming up next, right here on the Cigar Authority. You're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. Hi, this is Rocky Patel, and I've worked long and hard to create a Cameroon cigar. We've been saving Cameroon wrappers for seven years to come up with the perfect cigar, the Vintage 2003. This cigar has a Cameroon wrapper from Africa, delivers a sweet taste, medium-bodied, a ton of flavor, yet it's smooth on the palate. If you've never tried the Vintage 2003, please go out and try one, because this Cameroon cigar is going to deliver everything you're seeking. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. What about, it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Ah, Something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yeah, it costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. Cigar smokers, how about if we go over a few cigar store sounds? Can you guess what this is? You think you got it? Okay. Do you know what this is? Now for the cigar. What do you think of this cigar? I'm lighting up a La Giana Havana cigar. The La Giana Havana natural cigars are... Oh, yeah. So smooth. Oh, yeah, the Maduro version is a bit beefed up, but oh, yeah, they're delicious, too, 
When asked what my favorite cigar is, I always say it's La Giana Havana. Oh, yeah. There was a time when cigars were the hallmark of elegance and success. In this time gone by, the aficionado would revel in opening a beautiful box, only to find their favorite celebratory smoke emblazoned with a heritage-laden band. It's time to put the bundle down and travel back to this golden age. For your voyage, may we humbly suggest the only cigar worthy of being packaged in a handmade marble box. Berlin Wall Series from Hammer and Sickle. Live well. Hey, this is cigar smoking citizen Steve Saka, and you're listening to Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And we're back, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority, a weekly broadcast about cigars and the nonsense surrounding it. This week, in a career that has spanned over 40 years with some of the biggest names in Hollywood, some of the biggest roles that have taken him virtually around the world many times, and now landing him here on the Cigar Authority. I'm on DeSante. You really must love cigars, or else why else would you be here? Yeah, that's very kind of you to have me. Oh, and I'm goodness. Very, I'm very flattered you asked. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> he you, is a good actor. He is. You're a great actor. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you have been smoking the cigars in the movies and in your personal life. Yeah. Always. And you've yeah. been a great advocate to cigar smokers. So I thank you on behalf of all cigar smokers because we, uh, we are actually the only people that can be looked upon as a minority that people can just stamp all over and, and uh, look down to. <laughs> right. It, it, it and be crushed. To, yeah. yeah, and it seems to be okay for that to yeah. happen. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't know how uh, other people look at you as uh, being in front like that and lighting a cigar and say this is what I do, but uh, right. it's certainly uh, negative to a lot of people. So uh, thank you for doing that for all of us. I, I, I hope that I'll do something with cigar rights. Uh, in the very near future, I wanted to do it last year. I haven't had time. Yeah. But uh, it, it's a very controversial issue. But I believe people, people do have some rights that they're entitled to. So. I would say so. And, and, and cigars and are one of them. Absolutely. <laughs> we we are one of a thousand people that actually uh, smoke premium cigars. Uh, it's a small, small group of people. And you know, I, I don't say blow it in people's faces and bother people with it. But nowadays, there's no smoking in parks. There's no smoking here and there in your own right. condominiums. And it just got out of hand over the years. And, yeah. uh, you know, we have to see an end to it. Now, I know uh, Europe is a big thing for you. You travel to Europe often. You've been around the world. Yeah. You, do you see this kind of behavior in other countries as bad as it is, seems here? Well, I mean, smoking in itself and nicotine, of course, we, we know that uh, scientifically it's very damaging. But the point is that Cigars, not unlike wines or, or, or very fine imports, cigar is a sensate personal experience that I believe people have a right to uh, enjoy. So, I mean, a cigar, if you understand, if you understand tobacco and understand the acquire a taste for uh, great tobacco and, and great blends, uh, it's a very personal and uh, thoughtful uh, thing to do, loved by people since time immemorial. So, uh, it's contemplative. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Get with it. Get with right. it. Get with it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, how, how long have you been smoking cigars? When did you start uh, enjoying uh, a, I've a... probably been smoking cigars since about uh, the mid-80s. Okay. Mid-80s. There were times when I, you know, I could afford better cigars right, than others. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but but I'll, I'll tell you, going through and preparing for uh, meeting with you, uh, going through that of about 100 films that you've been in. 
Probably about 40 I haven't seen yet. But, uh, Which you were saying earlier that, today, and we were, we were talking about it before the show started, that, uh, yeah, some of the movies you're, you're just not yeah. uh, happy with. It's a living. It's a living. It's a hard living to, to if you hitch on for your lifetime. It's a very, uh, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it. But, I mean, I've spoken to some of the uh, more premier actors of our time that are uh, legends, and uh, one of the questions I asked all of them when I did meet them is uh, how, what was the toughest part of your career? And they would say things like between 45 and 70 I couldn't get a, I couldn't get a role. Oh my goodness. So, it's not an, easy, not an easy profession but my, uh, my forte is I love literature to begin with. I love stories. I love character driven stories. My love of um, acting came from the theater. I was in the theater for 10 years before I made a film. And I worked on playwrights such as O'Neill, Williams, um, Shakespeare. Um, I mean, so many wonderful playwrights and really good writing. I, I tried for years to find that in the industry. It's not, it's not something simple to find. But, but I have a, uh, a motto that if it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. Yeah. So, I mean, I really do, I try to, I've, I've nurtured authors, I've worked with authors and directors. I work very closely with directors, writers, and producers on projects. But if they but, give, but, if they but, give but you writing, crap, writing is the essential key. And if they, give, if they wrote crap for you, you're going to deliver the if, crap that they produce. If it's, a, if it's a job and you have to have yeah. a job, you've got to do the job. But the yeah. point is that uh, I think all serious actors, one of the d- dilemmas of being an actor is, is finding the, uh, the material. You're right. And do uh, things cross your path that you say, no, I'm not going to have anything to do with this? I'm not even interested in that role? I had, I had a couple of things that I passed up that went on to be successful, but at the moment when, when they were offered me, I, I really thought that the scripts didn't merit the, uh, the trip. But, but the, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that in any field, no matter what you do, if you do it for your lifetime, it's, it's not something that is not cyclical. Everything in life is cyclical, and there are periods in your life where you can stumble upon or come upon trem- tremendous uh, opportunities of great material, and there are others where there's a level of mediocrity you can't believe it. I mean, I, I, my, I personally feel that in the world we're in today, we're in a very over-informationalized society, mm-hmm. and we're not necessarily seeing great writing and ending up on screen. I mean, oddly enough, believe me, this, this year alone, I was very surprised at how good the films were. It was a remarkable uh, slate of films. But, but the point is that uh, for many years and often, you see the studios now, they're not opting to make great material. They'll buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not making it. Right. So it's a, uh, you know, I was very lucky in my life in that I did, like I said earlier, I, I was very lucky in that I worked with some incredible playwrights, directors, uh, and actors, and... Uh, Producers, and it was those people that really, in a way, gave me the, the platform in a way to be an actor. Good. I, no. owe, I owe it to them. You do, you, do not, you do nothing in life alone. Downstairs, I noticed lots of people came in, and they were very starstruck. You know, movie star here at a cigar shop. It, you know, some people didn't even know that you were coming. They saw it on the sign, and they came in, and there he is right there, the man himself. Have you ever experienced that yourself, where you're going onto a set, and there is the actor that you've idolized or, you know, is, is there someone that has hit that degree that has made you starstruck as you're about to take a job? Oh, I was very, I was very lucky in my life. I, I worked with uh, 
phenomenally gifted people uh, like uh, Anthony Quinn, Rod Steiger, uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, Gerard Depardieu, Sophia Loren, Goldie Hawn. I, I was very lucky in my life to even not only share the screen, but just share a few moments with those people. And you learn from them, working with them? Without, and I tell you something, the, um, the greater the legend, the more simple and humble the individual. Really? Yeah, really? It's a fact. It's a fact. Okay. Because it's all about work. It's not about anything else. Yeah, yeah. As you get to know, you know from an outsider looking in, we, we have no idea what, what that is, but they go in the work too that day. Yeah, and it's they, all about they, work. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, did, I noticed uh, some early on um, that you uh, did some TV shows uh, like uh, Kojak with Telly Savalas, Columbo with Peter Falk, uh, yeah, with, I, with old TV when I believe when I could sit down and watch a TV show and my wife will laugh right now. Those are things that I still watch to this day because the junk that's yeah. out there on television, you, there's no more regular television shows for you? I, I'm offered television a lot and I have been throughout my entire career. I haven't, I haven't opted for it. Um, if, if I found, again, the material, yeah. uh, I've, I'm developing some very good material for possibly doing a, um, a series. But, you There's know, we're, right we're, we're literally in a time right now, because of the Internet, we're also in a time where people, uh, if, if you watch the, the focus of people, they jump around so much. There's so much material sure. available that... To do necessarily a character-driven, so say, on the legal system or on, on, on issues that, that really matter to people, you'd be surprised. There may not be the audience or the network would, wouldn't approve it on the basis of that. Right, right. To the point, because they, you have to remember something. It's all, it's all financially driven, so it has to have a profit. And the thing is that, I mean, often the issues that I loved were, were never c- commercial enterprises anymore. Sure, yeah. But, 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 uh, but you can't stop believing in it. I mean, you've got to believe in material. Yeah. You have companies like HBO or something that start their own production companies and stuff and put a movie out like Gaudi that ends up being successful. Right. Uh, and then, you know, the big budget um, movie houses or something don't put something like that together. They'll, you know, so, some awful sitcom or something they'll, they'll put their money into. It's but it's, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible industry to, to be part of. But, but, you know, the people at the, at the networks, I remember once I, I had a phenomenal idea for a series and I brought it up to the vice president of this particular network. And, and she said to me, I love that idea. I've thought of that idea. I have to think four years ahead. Ah, because by the time it's done. That's yeah. the way they think. Yeah. I have to think four years ahead of myself. What will the audience want? And that's really the dilemma they're in. Right. Good luck with yeah. that, though. How do you, so, know, you know what's four years from now going to end up showing? Um, you know, I don't see a lot of good content. It hasn't been, uh, you know... Great movies, um, you know that that I think will stand the test of time in quite a while. Yeah. You know, I, I say that about music and, and different things like that. That is there any song we're going to hear today or something that thirty years from now people are going to say you know it's a classic? Right. I don't I don't know if they make movies like that anymore. It's, yeah. You know. Well, I think I think definitely the, the the writing the writing talent of per se Hollywood. I think it shifted into television, certainly. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, there's, there's, there's always talent out there, and there always, you'll, you'll find, I mean, there's always great stories. It just, believe it or not, it's the will of the producer and the director to have the will, literally the will inside them, to forward the project and get it done. Yeah. I always say that a person, you know, and I say this to a lot of, I'm often asked to... Um, to speak to young people and students. I've, I've, I've uh, done 
a certain amount of seminars with young, really talented young actors. And I often tell them, I said, you know, it's, it's not just your talent. It's your will. What's your will to match the talent you have? Yeah. If that's not there, you, you can't kick the ball out of the park. And that's what we're here for. Yeah. And the point is that uh, that's the story of every athlete. If the will's not there, yeah. you're not going to get the touchdown. So down. who do you see as up-and-coming uh, young talent? Anybody that we would know or recognize? I think, I think young talent is everywhere. I honestly believe if you can go to any high school in the world, you will find a genius. The point is, if you don't have a garden to cultivate the flower, the, fl the flower doesn't grow. Here we go. You know? There we go. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> See the gears turning over there. There it do is. You, do you prefer to play a good guy or a bad guy, or does it not matter as long as the writing's there? Writing, uh, writing is everything, and writing is what is the equivocator of what is uh, moral and what is amoral. Because all, all the great, I mean, certainly the writers that I loved, O'Neill, uh, Williams, Hemingway, um, Dostoevsky, I mean, they were, they were obsessed with the fact that the, the moral quandary is, is finally what defines a character. So you can't, you can't really say what is, what is fun to play or what isn't fun to play. The, the dilemma of life is that our, our whole lives are a moral quandary. You know, we sit good here, people do bad things, bad know, people do good things. Yeah, and, and, the, and the thing is, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm often offered, offered so many roles to play the bad guy. But in fact, I had great times doing comedies and, and yeah. playing wacky people yeah. as well. You the, know? the first thing I remember from you is uh, with uh, Sylvester Stallone, Paradise Alley. And, uh, you have you, a good memory. Yeah, you three, you three <laughs> brothers. Um, it was I actually liked it anyway, the idea of it. But uh, you know, three brothers, and it came to a good story. I don't think a blockbuster right. sensation or anything yeah. like that, but uh, but a good story nevertheless. And uh, um, you know, that's first first as I saw you, and you wasn't your first or last time working with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, that was the. I had been on a, a very tiny, tiny role. In fact, it's not even in the film. I worked on his first film, and then he asked me to do that film with him. And then uh, subsequent to that, I, I, I made that film in London with him, uh, uh, Judge Dredd. Yes. So that, that big, one... Big blockbuster. Yeah, there we go. Well. So is this somebody that... So you end up working with somebody like Sylvester Stallone, and he likes how you work, and then asks you to work again, <clears> and you get, you get work simply by... Well, you showed I mean, up work he, on he, time. You yeah. did the right thing. No, he he liked me for my professionalism, and also yeah. it was a good it was a good movie match. In terms, we have a, a similar look. So I played his brother. Right. But he, he was an absolute gentle, gentleman to me. To me, and uh, you know, Sly is a guy who is uh, uh, not only a self-made individual but a multi-talented individual, an extraordinary athlete in many many areas, formidable athlete, uh, and certainly one of the more gifted people in Hollywood and uh, he knew I think early on that he was an icon yeah and uh, he knew how he knew how to direct his market and he was a brilliant uh, brilliant at it I had a great time always working with him and I think anybody who works with Sly one of the first things that that uh, occurs to you is the level of his professionalism is uh, is fantastic yeah he's fantastic now speaking a of great great human being and uh often, uh, I think, misrepresented by the media. 
wonderful human being, extraordinary, yeah, extraordinarily intelligent. I would say person. the media looks at him as being a dumb guy, but certainly brilliant. Quite the opposite. Right, the brilliant right. guy. Opposite. What, what do you got? Uh, well, speaking of work ethic, uh, it's no coincidence that you you value work ethic and you end up partnering up with uh, Victor Vitali. How did that relationship come about? You know, I was asked for, for years if I would lend my name to a cigar and I always said no and I thought um, in terms of, of branding and marketing, if I want my name on something, I wanted to be part of the creation of that product and uh, Victor came to me through a, a very well-known uh, cigar marketing and distribution guy named uh, Gary Mashoni out of, out of uh, Chicago. And uh, he said, did you ever consider doing a cigar? I said, I would if I had the blend and the blender. I said, but if without... I said, you, you can't touch something as, as, as fragile and in a way volatile as a cigar unless you have the brains behind it. Who knows how to construct the blend? It's a very delicate balance. Sure. And I met Victor, and uh, we, we discussed it a long time. He was as nervous as I was uh, because I said, look, I'm not putting my name on anything unless you show me it's something that I should put my name on. Right. And he was also nervous. With, there's never been, there's never been a, a film celebrity that's or, right. or an Successful. actor who lent his name to a, a cigar that's ever succeeded. That's true. So when we did this, it was a mutual out of mutual concern for each other that we get it right. Now, consequently, he, um, he acquired three of the top blending tobaccos out of Nicaragua yep. with uh, Eduardo Fernandez, who's a legend. Yeah. Yep. And the point is that's what Oravigo was made of. So, I mean, I wouldn't pick anyone but Victor to monitor a product because he's extremely meticulous. Yes, he is. And not only in his brand, but in everything he does. And he's, he, he also happens to be a wine connoisseur. He's a food connoisseur. Yeah. So he understands what taste is about. So the point is uh, to, to blend something like this. If you don't go out with somebody like Victor, it's a dangerous, a dangerous thing to pursue. And also, it's, it, it, this is not meant out of vanity. It's, 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 it's that if I've been asked to the dance, then I better know who I'm dancing with. Mm. Yeah. You know, so Absolutely. I mean, he, he's uh, quite a remarkable guy. He certainly I can't is. say enough about him. I mean, he really not only did a magnificent job with the cigar, which is being received beautifully everywhere. I was just in Sicily, and I was with some extraordinary uh, uh, business people from Sicily. Uh, I was filming there, and I gave them more of Vivo. And, you know, in, in Sicily, they have the best wine. They have the best cheese, the best olives, the best uh, of everything in terms of agra what's agrarian. You know? yeah. And for them to say you have a good cigar... Let me tell you, they don't have to say anything. Yeah. They have the best of everything. And, and the point is that they loved it. Beautiful. And I was asked, would you do an Oro Vivo bar in, in Sicily? Really? Yeah. They were really genuinely touched by that it's a real, it's a real product. It's not like something we, we put together quick. This is a real blended cigar. And Oro Vivo is Italian, not Spanish. Oro Vivo was an idea I had because it really means I'm living right now in the hour. This is the hour of my life. Yeah. Oro Vivo. Oro yeah. being the hour, Vivo being life. So the point is that was an idea I had. And I thought, if I do or, uh, the cigar or if I do anything under the label of Oro Vivo, it's got to have something that with, which Victor, his company, is based on, which is it has to have legacy. Legacy. If you're, you're going to create something, let it have a legacy, not have a flash in the pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here today and gone tomorrow. And I really believe in that. If you do something, let it have a legacy. And I really felt that way about 
about uh, creating the company Ora Vivo and, and the Suar. Well, that, and that again, again, I owe it to Victor Vitale. He's a tremendous person to work with. He is. Meticulous, uh, incredibly thoughtful, and he's a man of his word, and he's also uh, his... The integrity of what he does with cigars is manifested in, in Tortuga and Ora Vivo. And I'll tell you a wild story. Yeah. Uh, Mashoni at one point, because it was before Victor and I actually blended to come up with this, this magic blend in Ora Vivo. Before Victor and I had decided on it, Gary, I was working in Serbia. Gary sent me 50 cigars, and I'm in Serbia, and I'm thinking... How the hell am I going to have time to smoke 50 cigars? I'm working on a film night and day. I have busted my shoulder, and I'm thinking I'm, a, I'm in the balcony. I'm in the balcony of a hotel in Belgrade, and I'm thinking I've got to try these cigars out because I've got to figure out which blend I'm going to like. He sent me 50 cigars, and I was smoking for about a week in, in, when I got home from work, you know? And I'm only, I'm only smoking one for like 30 seconds. That's yeah. it. You're out. Yeah. Next. <laughs> and so this went on for like a week. And I hit upon one cigar, and I wrote it down, you know. I think I wrote, I wrote down three cigars. The first one that I liked was a cigar called the Tortuga. I didn't even know that it was Victor's cigar. Ah. So, <laughs> nice. So you had I the said, same palate I as I said him. to Gary, I said, yeah, I, like that. I don't know who made that cigar, the Tortuga. He said, that's the guy I'm telling you about. No kidding. <laughs> that's awesome. So there it is. It, was, it really was wow. funny the way it worked, that, that, that I actually... Really love the Tortuga, and this is out of a lot of blends. Okay, you know? so you have the same palate, and as that he was does. before Victor came to my house with the tobacco, and we, and I'm telling you, he brought in fifty different green blends before we decided yeah. on narrowed down what could work as Oraviva. So it was a really extraordinary experience to work with him. I'm going to tell you the difference between every other celebrity that came out with a cigar and you is they didn't go through that process. Mm. They said, this is what the packaging looks like. It looks fine to me. Go with it. That was it. Every single one of them, and that's doomed to failure because it doesn't matter what the package says. Right. It's all in the cigar yeah, itself. That's right. That's, it's the whole thing. Yeah. But that's what's missed every single time. I've been in 29 years in the cigar business. I saw them all come and go as it happened, and every single time they had no idea. And just hearing the things that you're saying that you went through that process, yeah. without it, you have nothing. Yeah. You're a chef and it's a that big, never saw the ingredients. Exactly. Right. And so, it's, a, it's a big compliment because one of the things that Victor and I decided upon, and, and I, it was important to me because I do, I have, I've loved cigars, but I'm not a fanatic. I mean, when I was, you know, when I, when I really made serious money, I used to smoke Hoya de Monterey's, you know. I mean, and they were magnificent cigars. But the point is that one of the things I wanted to do with Victor, I said, I don't want a cigar that assaults an individual because cigars can be very assaulting. Yeah, some of them. On your palate, yeah. you know. You're I one said, and done and you can't smoke another. I said, I want a, I want a cigar that a woman would love. Hmm. How do you do that? And that's really the kind of template we used in the design of the blend of Oravivo. It's a very, very soft. Uh, it's soft on your palate and it grows on your palate, but in two hours it's gone. And that's what I want. Yes. I didn't want something to no, stay, yeah, yeah, stay stays with you the whole day. Yeah. You know, because I, I don't care for that in, 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 a, uh, in a blend. Speaking of women, I can't help but notice Listen, I'm in the store every single day. We have a small percentage of women that come in the store day after day. But today is very, very different. 
the majority of people coming in here is women today, yeah. and you've been you've been I, that I, sex I can't, symbol. I can't even imagine what you promised them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I promised. I, I promised them you would be here. Is all I promised. Are you going to keep that promise? Yeah. <laughs> but obviously not. Your pants are still on. <laughs> GQ, yeah, right. <laughs> GQ magazine, um, you know, you, you've been in, in um, love scenes with the, the most beautiful women in the world. I mean, very lucky, very lucky guy. I'll say, yeah. I'll say. Um, How does that work when you, when, I mean, I assume that you smoke cigars on the regular. Do you smoke on the set? And then do you think about, okay, I got a, a love scene coming up in an hour and a half. Yeah. So I'm going to oh. not smoke a cigar or I'm going to and. Whatever no, happens, you know, happens. You know b- believe it or not, I, I, um, I, don't, I don't smoke when I work, but when I, when I have a very difficult problem in anything, whether it's a script or a, um, an idea or I'm studying a lot, alone, I'll smoke more than usual. I don't, I'm not a guy who's addicted to tobacco or anything. I never have been. But when I'm working on a problem, uh, especially when I'm working on a very difficult script, I will tend to smoke more than normal. Hmm. But I don't make it a habit of smoking on the set or smoking around people. I, I just stay in my studio and study, and it's the way I slow down. I mean, I think cigars for every, every individual is a different oh, process. Yeah. For me, it's a way to slow down my mind, you know, and just, in a way, contemplate and, yeah. and uh, think. As, as an actor, it's pretty lonely type one, by yourself type of thing? Well, I mean, I... I, I Thank God, in my, in my career, I, I worked with uh, a couple of people who were my mentors for many, many years, brilliant people. But, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand that acting, as, as one man ta- told me when I was 17, he said, you understand that acting is homework. It really is. Yeah. It's all in the homework. I mean, it, it's all in what the individual wants to do with it. And, and uh, if you don't do the homework, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's an even more difficult process. Yeah. And working with the with the type of caliber people you were working with, I mean, you would have been one and done off the air if you didn't know your, your lines and you're holding everything up. It's a yeah. money thing, right? If you're not yeah. prepared and but, ready to go. But, but it's also it's also to embody. In other words, what I what I call when you put a story into your DNA, when you put it into your DNA, yeah. then that's a lot of homework. And I think that the best of the best do that, and they know that. Yeah, you become that character. For, yeah, for you, put it, you put it into your you put it into your being. And so you, how long you, you embody it? You embody so it. So you're making Gaudi. How long are you John Gaudi for? Well, I mean, I prepared it meticulously for three or four months. I put on fifty pounds. I I did everything I could to embody the. I mean, what I could discern from the many transcripts that I listened to and read. And the, the lawyers that I met, uh, that I did everything I could to do my homework. But the point is that that's really what it's about. It's about uh, no matter what role you do, it's, it's finally is how much study, study did you put into the idea. You had to gain you know? 50 pounds to do it. Well, I did it, I did it for that reason because uh, he, he was about 210. And I went up to 205, which was too much for my body. But, but, you but weren't asked to do it? You said, I want to look more like him. Let me do this? I th- it was very good for the role. It wow. worked very well. Wow. That's dedication. I'll yeah. say. I'll, but, yeah. the, but the greats do that. That's what, that's what they have yeah. to do to do it and uh, go over the top and to be able to do that. I, I look at the John Gotti movie, and I've seen films on John Gotti, but you are more like John Gotti than John Gotti, if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I you never, seem more like... I never met him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you followed... You, you, it, it seems, you know more than me! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then I won't say you said it, though. There we go. 
and, and can you turn any character back on? You can be, uh, become Napoleon. You're Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. I made people stand on apple boxes when I did that. Yeah. But, but uh, now, I mean, uh, you know, when you do, when you do a role, it's a, it's a strange thing. But when you do a role, for the time that you're working on it, you, you pretty much embody it. And then you let go of it. Yeah, you got to let go. You let go of it. Some, some I, of these I'm people not, turn I'm into not, that. I'm not an actor that goes home and takes it home with me. Okay. Well, I, when I do my work, it's, it's so into my system that when I'm done with it, I'm done with it. Okay. You've had enough you know, of that? Yeah, yeah, and also I think that it gets to be a little neurotic when you have to walk around 24 hours believing that you're, you're doing something. I mean, finally, you, it is an art. Sure. I mean, mm. or, or a craft, if you will. But, but the point is it's, it's, it's storytelling. You know? Yes. I have a uh, cousin that's a, a, an Elvis impersonator. And before a big show, he goes out as Elvis, dressed in plain clothes, and is Elvis the night before. And this is, how, this is part of his whole shtick. And then people will actually, I've seen him give out autographs. People know Elvis is dead, and they believe that he's Elvis because he believes he's Elvis the night before. And then he does his show and does his whole thing. Yeah. I don't know if he ever lets it go, though. He's a little crazy. He's a, more than a little, actually. Yeah. So what's, what's coming up in the future for Amanda Sante? I'm, I'm about to do a children's film, which I'm actually excited oh, about, yeah. an adorable film called Kids vs. Monsters. Oh. It's really adorable. It's a very adorable film I'm, I'm going to do in, in Los Angeles. And I, uh, I'm in a film now that was just released in all places of Serbia, which is the biggest film in Eastern Europe in, oh. in probably in the last 50 years, which is the birth of the World Cup in European sure. football. Yeah. Beautiful film. I mean, an ama- I will say it's an amazing film to watch. It's called Montevideo. See you in Montevideo. It's a okay. beautiful film about the birth of the World Cup when, believe it or not, uh, Uruguay, Brazil, U- the United States, and Serbia were the leading football teams in the world, uh, and the playouts were in uh, Montevideo, Uruguay, in 1930. And a lot of people don't realize that the U.S. at the time had European football teams, soccer, if you will, yeah. in almost every village in the United States. It's just staggering how big soccer was in 1930. Because, no after all, we were all European immigrants. Right, that's true. My grandparents came from Europe. But the point is that uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to know that fact and to know that the U- U.S., America, was one of the leading football teams in the world. Uh, we were beaten by Brazil. And then Uruguay took out Serbia, mm. but Serbia was actually the, the 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 country that would would have led the world in football in 1930. Here we go. No kidding. Well, it, what an honor to have you here. What an honor. Thank it's you an honor so to be much, here, man. I can't thank you enough for supporting Victor Vitali and uh, Tortuga and Oraviva. It's a great honor for me to be here. Thank you so much. And uh, you're going to be here tonight. We're going to do old school Italian tonight, and uh, we're going to have a good good group of people here. So. Uh, uh, we're going to go to break, everybody. When we come back, uh, we're going to chat with Victor Vitali, a young man uh, that's been in the cigar business for a lot of years. He has his own brand. Uh, he's from Philly, back in Philly again, um, but he is a cigar celebrity for sure. Uh, we'll talk candidly with Victor Vitali, Victor Vitali and uh, smoke his new Tortuga uh, in Cedar. We'll see what that's all about. Uh, we got Old Fart Freddy, Gentleman Chuck Morrison, and the uh, Aging Room, and lots more coming up in just minutes. But um, it's uh, Armand Asante, Hollywood actor here on the Cigar Authority. Uh, thank you once yeah, we again. Can't thank you enough for coming on. <laughs> yeah. God bless and, you. Thank uh, you. 
We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got all that and more. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. We'll be back in just minutes. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And anytime you happen to be sitting right next to Armand Asante smoking an Oro Vivo or a Tortuga, always remember to keep the lit end out of your mouth. Be right back. Truly bold cigars like a good story. Perfectly crafted throughout, and you never want it to end. Take it from Rob Weiss, member of Camacho's Board of the Bold and the creator of the award-winning TV series Entourage. The Camacho Corojo is hand-built from authentic Corojo seeds, built for the expert palate and fine-tuned for maximum flavor impact, consistency, and quality. In 1962, the U.S. signed the embargo, pronouncing all Cuban products illegal and un-American. For almost 50 years, the U.S. was without a comparable substitute. In 2011, the Cigar Agency releases Ortsak Bulletproof 1962, a Dominican handmade cigar designed to go head-to-head against Castro and his infamous cigars. Today, the Cigar Agency commissioned Hendrik Keltner's A-Team to bring you Ortsak Bulletproof. In the cigar world, the forbidden fruit is Castro's Cuban cigars. The fact is, the moment you light your first Cuban cigar is the moment you've been had. If you're looking for a cigar that delivers construction, Draw and price. Maybe this time you should try an Ortsak Bulletproof. With the introduction of Ortsak, everything Castro is now backwards. Ortsak is Castro spelled backwards. Ortsak is what you expect a good Cuban cigar to taste like. Only better. It is the cigar of the year. The new Ortsak Bulletproof 1962. Reigniting passion in the world of premium cigars and redefining who we are as cigar smokers and Americans. Castro hates Ortsak, but you will love them. All right, listen up. If you've been feeling stuck in life, unmotivated, procrastinating, and just flat-out frustrated with the same old results and routines, consider this your wake-up call. The fact of the matter is you control your destiny, not your boss, your company, the government, or anyone else outside of yourself. With responsibility comes power. My name is Chuck Morrison, owner and founder of MakingMountainsMove.com. Since 2009, I've been helping ordinary people from around the globe achieve extraordinary results. Authors, app developers, business owners, speakers, trainers, coaches, all just ordinary people until they plugged into the Triple M movement. Now it's your turn. This is about unleashing your legacy. If you've ever had that calling, that burning desire to raise your game and start living life at a higher level, the wait is finally over. End the frustration. Crush the procrastination. Say goodbye to fear, doubt, and worry forever. Check out the fastest growing movement inside the personal development industry. Check out Making Mountains Move. This is the Cigar Authority. You're either in or you're out right now. The simple fact is, it's no laughing matter. The authority on everything cigar. It's like fishing with dynamite. In and out of the cigar industry. Are you smoking yet? This is probably the best thing that's ever happened to us. With your hosts, David Garofalo. I promise I'll do better at this job than I did on the SATs. Mr. Jonathan. I'm ready. I'm walking tall. I've been earning and burning, snapping necks, cashing checks. And Chuck Morrison. Now he's used to big groups, so make them feel like there's a crowd here. It's time to light them up. It's time for the Cigar Authority. Well, if you learned anything today, it won't be the truth. And we're back live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, and Hollywood has hit the Cigar Authority. Amanda Sante is here with us, and we're smoking his Oro Vivo, and uh, we have with us Victor Vitale. Victor is... uh, 
Tortuga and, uh, and legacy brands. Uh, Victor is also uh, most known for being the first live person on the he Cigar was. Authority. That's Four right. Yeah, I remember ago. that. I remember <laughs> that. It was like it was April. Uh, you did it in April, or yeah. was it in March? I believe it was April. It was yeah. like April Fool's Day or something. It should have been April Fool's Day if it wasn't. But. Uh, <laughs> That different crew, little, different crew back then. A little over four years ago, right? Mr. Jonathan was actually doing the uh, sound. I was. and uh, He had hair back then, I think. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think no. so. It's been a long time since I've had hair. But uh, let me first off say thank you so much for uh, bringing Amanda Sante here uh, to the Cigar Authority, to Two Guys Smoke Shop, and uh, to all the, the people in the area that uh, got to meet him. And what a gentleman and uh, an honor to uh, be with him. And uh, you're surrounding yourself with good people. That's the, uh, the, way, the way it goes, and it seems uh, he feels the same way. It's been a great show. I, you know, I was here to watch it. I yeah. think it was great. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it out there. My you know, maybe, God. Uh, hey, I, I never uh, interviewed uh, a celebrity before. I have so many questions, but I didn't want to be the same questions as uh, what the other – Jerks saying stupid <laughs> like questions. Like when, when was your last cannoli? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you had a double espresso and a cannoli? But, but my God, the uh, American Gangster with uh, Danielle Washington, Russell Crowe, oh. uh, the Mambo Kings. Well, we actually played Benedict. the drums. He's a drummer. He, yeah, he is a right. drummer. He is a that's drummer. Right. That scene is incredible. You saw it? I did. Uh, Burt Reynolds, Demi Moore, you know, a lot of people, Demi Moore, cigar smoker, Burt Reynolds, cigar smoker, Peter Fox, cigar smoker, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson, and uh, surrounds himself with cigar smokers also, when you think about it. I, you know, I think it's great. You mentioned that uh, he's been an advocate for premium cigars throughout most of his career, yes. and it's so important, and you said thank you, and, you know, I thank him from the bottom of my heart every single day, because... I made a career out of this. I'm 20 years in the business. Sure. And, uh, you know, I always tell people I'm not going anywhere because I can't do anything else right. At least that's what my wife says. Yeah. But hopefully I'm doing cigars right. You are doing cigars right. I mean, they taste fantastic. We've got to get folks that are listening to the show, get behind them, go to the store. If the store doesn't carry Oro Vivo, say, why don't you have Oro Vivo in it? I mean, you don't have the marketing dollars and stuff to do like some of the big companies out there to, to do it. But it's a great cigar. And that's all really that all that matters to me as a cigar smoker. I don't, I don't care what kind of marketing is going behind it. Well, when you, when you ask the question of the TAA, how many people said it was about the cigar? It has nothing to do with the marketing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And these are real hardcore cigar store owners. Yeah, yeah. That's how they make their living. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's boutique. You know, boutique is kind of like the diamond in the rough, you know, for the, for the real connoisseur. I always say it's a real connoisseur cigar. And it doesn't mean that the everyday, you know, challenged smoker can go out there and, and, and not enjoy it or enjoy it. But, you know, if you really love and have a passion for smoking premium cigars, then this is something for you. A cigar under $10 that's good, you know, and uh, has somebody that's, uh, I, I would say, that's in front of people saying that cigar smoke is okay. I mean, believe me. Well, we, we have the chance to get behind somebody like this, for yeah. sure. You know, it's hard to put passion into words. You know, so much passion that is, is involved with making premium cigars and putting my name on premium cigars and partnering with someone who has so much passion. Passion's hard to put into words, but it's a lot easier to put into a product. So you can really see what was the, the ultimate goal when you finally light one up and smoke it. And it really is that... Ah, moment. Yeah. I mean, I still get that after smoking cigars for over 20 years. Every time I light a cigar, it's, ah, yeah. you know. I say it to uh, customers that come in all the time, especially on a Friday afternoon. They come in, they're stressed out from work, they get a cigar, they cut it, they light it, and instantly you start seeing the shoulders start to drop, 
and 30 minutes into it and stuff, the guy's a whole new guy. It's true. And, and what a better place to do it. You come here, you hang out. You ha- it's a brotherhood. The camaraderie yeah. here is incredible. Otherwise, it's, it's kind of like a reclusive uh, uh, type of enjoyment. Yeah. You know, you're either at home because, I mean, unless you're lucky to have your wife smoke cigars, which, what, 90% of the guys, their wives don't smoke? I would say so. So they're banished to the basement or something like that. Okay, Chuck, I'm going to toss you one. I'll come. I'll come and get it. This is uh, Tortuga 215. This is in the round with cedar around it. Why is, this, why is this different? Um, you know, again, this is kind of like the, you know, the connoisseur's version of Tortuga, which is basically a connoisseur's cigar anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to make this as Cuban-esque. And I know Cuban-esque is kind of like this term that gets thrown around yeah, loosely yeah, but, in the but, industry. But it has a taste of Cuban tobacco. It, it really is. You know, my dedication to the art, culture, and tradition of tobacco is, is really, really true. It's really there. And, you know, I hope that it's seen in the product that I make and that people can really experience it that when they smoke it. And that's what this is about. It's really about sharing that passion and keeping that art and culture and tradition alive in the business. Because I have to give back to my industry. Yeah. That's just the way I feel. I'm that type of person. I have to give back to my industry. And, you know, in this, you've been in this business yeah. a long time. There are a lot of brands that come and go. They just kind of just come in. They try to take whatever they can off the table, and then they run. Right. It's really not what this business is about. It's not what it should be about, but unfortunately, there's a lot of that that goes on and stuff, and you don't see a lot of brands that have some staying power on them, and hopefully this is one of them. This is Tortuga. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by our friends at Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand that while all of the cigar brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. And this is a Delacoso? Yes, this is the Bellicoso. So it's a Bellicoso, for those listening, is the one with the little point on it, right? It's a torpedo. It's a Bellicoso. It is not a regular-shaped cigar, as you would understand it. A um, What word am I looking for? Um, Toro? Figurado? Yeah. Of the regular shape, I can't think Vitola? of it. Vitola? Vitola, right. A, a Vitola, which is a regular-shaped cigar. This is a shaped cigar, which is a Figurado. Figurado, this with a point on it. It could be any kind of uh, different shape than a Vitola. And this is the uh, Bellicoso. Or, this is what you call it, Bellicoso? Cedro Bellicoso, Cedro yeah. Bellicoso. Cedro, meaning the cedar that's, that's around mm. it. So this is a uh, cigar that has cedar around it inside a cedar box. And different than the ones that don't have cedar, we should we should have more cedar taste to it, right? You will, yeah. You know, it, it puts the cigar in, in a constant state of aging. You know, if you read Rick Hacker's book, he talks about cedar and he talks about yeah. aging and the qualities of cedar and the effects that it have on the cigar. Lately, I've been missing that in cigars. It's something that I've really fell in love with back in the 90s when I started smoking cigars. That cedar quality used to be more prevalent well, in cigars. Some people aren't did. using cedar boxes anymore. That's right. You know, they're running out of cedar, and people are using shortcuts and cardboard and right. lots of different things. So you put it in a cedar box, put cedar around it, so uh, we'll see if we can have some of that flavor. I'm using the... Uh, we got the Vortex here. Vortex from And this is Vertigo. Uh, $15 lighter, and uh, I needed a lighter that was guaranteed to light every single time, and it had a big enough tank in case we decided we were going to smoke multiple, multiple cigars. I didn't know if you were going to call an audible, so I wanted to be prepared. This one's a guaranteed light. And there we go. <laughs> so the, the regular Tortuga line, box-pressed. Yes. And um, 
what would I taste different besides the cedar aspect to this than the... This would uh, taste rounder to me. Yeah. That's good. Round yeah, it's a little rounder. That's, I like that, actually. You know, box press, even when you use a similar blend, as you know, you've been in the business for so long, you've visited so many factories, and you see the process that they use for box pressing versus round. The blend essentially is the same. But in order to get a specific ring gauge, like this is a, a 54 ring gauge, so a 54 in a box press and a 54 in a round, uh-huh. it's going to have a different amount of tobacco in sure. it. Sure. So the difference is in the stuffing. You know, can we just use like regular terms? You sure. Know, Let's of, use regular you know, terms. Everybody like knows stuffing. what fill or right. there. Yeah, we all know about that. You know, it's in the stuffing. So you know, there's not. It's not loosely packed. It's a nice, tight packed cigar. The blend is really all jammed in there. And when you get a, a box press cigar. If it's overpacked and it goes into the mold, you have a chance of, uh, you know, cigars expand and contract all the time, depending yeah. on the temperature and the humidity, and you have a, a you know, a chance of them splitting. Yeah. So you got to kind of dial down the blend a little bit in order to, to achieve a 54 ring and a box press, where when it's round, you're really getting the truest form of the blend for that ring. Here we go. So you can taste the differences. I taste the cedar aspect immediately. immediately. First puff. Comes right first in. puff, there it is. I, I'm not going back to back, and we did it on one show when you gave us the first samples of the cigar. We actually saved them for the following week, and we smoked a Tortuga box press and a Tortuga. Yeah, I was just going to say, cedar. I remember that. And instantly, there was the cedar, you know, and I, I know that, and I taste it again um, from the Aura Viva, switching over to this, and, a, and more cedar taste um, to this one. Uh, it's on there, and that's uh, part of it. Uh, of what it is. So, uh, what's up for legacy brands? Any new brands? Any uh, new sizes? Any, you know, or just chugging along? You got any ice game? skaters that are going to be working with? You come out with a blend for finding yeah. chance. More, Maybe a ballet dancer. You know, something along the that. lines that's of what great. I would. That's a great what idea. I would do. I I'm like on, that. I'm Asante. Studied ballet. I did a lot of stuff. I know more about Amanda Sante than Amanda Sante. Than he does. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a lot, and I didn't get to, not, to uh, not even 5% of uh, what, what I wrote down and stuff. But uh, Mr. Jonathan is a, uh, a, a I studied student, ballet myself. A student of, okay. uh, of dance. It's an art. It's Certainly an art. an art. It is. But uh, expanding the, uh, the Cedra line is really the focus okay. right now. But focusing on the core line of Tortuga, so not really coming out with any new brands. Good. Uh, really focused on Tortuga Reserva and just expanding the Cedro line, which is going to have a third size by the IPCPR in July this year. Okay. Uh, I'm just seeing so much coming out. I was just at the uh, TAA um, convention in Mexico, and uh, everyone is coming out with stuff. We have to worry about FDA, so people are uh, putting products out like crazy. Um, just to, for, for the sake of putting the product out, that's where the problem's going to arise. So uh, a, a, warning, yeah. a warning to the consumers out there that, listen, people are banging stuff out for a whole different reason. Took the words right out of my yeah. mouth. I was going to say, you know, it, it gets – not only it, is that difficult for the retailer because, you know, you have a lack of shelf space. You can't really fit everything. So the consumer should be using you as a filter – to get you the best stuff out well, there. Well, we smoke the crap so they don't have to. Exactly. <laughs> so now... Right answer. I like <laughs> that is so the right answer, the, the amount of crap I've been smoking. Well, I, I can tell you the first Tortuga that I smoked was at the IPCPR. I had probably smoked 10 cigars at that point, and nothing <laughs> was standing out. And you handed me the Tortuga, and it was like, finally, yeah. something that is good. Yeah. Okay, and even after it. 10 cigars, my palate should have been garbage. 
I could still taste it. There was, there was complexity there. I, was, I, was, I could have done a Cigar Authority show right then on that cigar because there was enough going on on it. The problem, Thank you. The problem that's happening is the consumer is begging us as uh, shop owners, oh, you're going to get in the new X, you're going to get in the new Y, you're going to get in the new Z. And I tasted it. And I don't want to badmouth anything, but I'm, we try to have the best of everything in that kind of category. So if you're looking at a, at a full-bodied, medium-priced, whatever, geez, you know, it, it fits in there a little bit, but it's not even close to what something else is. Cigars are so good right now that people and people, too many people are putting out crap. In order to be able to compete in this industry, you gotta, you've yeah. got to be coming out with exceptional for the price point. Yeah. You can no longer be a $10 cigar at a $10 price point. You have to be a $15 cigar if you're going to charge $10. Right. You have to. Yeah. The competition is brutal out brutal. there. And the, um, another thing is um, people coming into the market. It's, it's a very, very low cost to get 100 boxes of cigars from some mediocre manufacturer out there to, to get made on uh, a uh, throw-together blend. It, it yeah. was a very interesting, uh, Amon saying that he went through the whole process. That had to be good for you. That instead of the guy just saying, yeah, whatever you think, just put... Well, it was great. You know, it was yeah. really the reason why we worked together. You know, our, our first conversation was, was based around what exactly are you looking to do? Are you looking to just have something licensed? Are you looking to just put a band on a cigar? Or, are, you know, is this a passion that burns so deep that you can't sleep at night until you actually create this? Wow. You know, as a legacy. Could you have... You couldn't have put together a better choice of words to get Armand Sunday interested, <laughs> given <laughs> given the, the you know what he was talking about over here. He is someone who's all about the passion and all about the story and and the how do, how do you get there? Do the ends justify the means? And so that, that this has to be the best relationship in cigars I've ever seen. The man's a true artist. It's an absolute pleasure to work with him. He is so meticulous and so involved and. You know, the, the consumer, I hope, can appreciate this because, like you said, there's so many cookie-cutter brands out there where, you know, almost anyone comes out with a brand these days and, you know, they, they you know, hey, look, all the best to everybody. But, yeah, you know, there, there's, there's you do it your way, I'll do it my way, and that's okay, you know, yeah. that's fine. But, you know, there's, there's a certain way I look at things. And, you know, I really look at Fuente's model and Padron's model. And one of the things that always resonates in my head from Fuente is, you can't rush the hands of time. Mm. And when you look at Padron's model and Fuente's model, and you see that, when was the last time they came out with something new? I know. Long it's time. been a really long time because it takes a really long time to come out with yeah. something new. Well, plus, I mean, in both cases, they are powerhouses. They each have their own case in the shop. So in order for them to come out with something new that's different, that's going to be difficult and still stay under their umbrella and not be so different that – in the case of Padron, a Padron smoker is going to go, yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm not buying it. You know, it, it might have been a mistake if Padron had come out with uh, Connecticut Shade for as, a, as an example. That we begged for. That we begged for. But, yeah, you, you know, would it. a real Padron smoker say, okay, I'm going to give a, a Connecticut a try? Probably not. No, they would hmm. say they sold out and, you know, they, would, they wouldn't even try it. Dave, can we take a question from the chat box? Sure. All right. So this is from Franco, and uh, he's got a question for Victor. Franco. Yep, Franco in the chat box here. Uh, he's wondering about the Aura Vivo event at Fresco uh, with the Sopranos. What happened there? It was, uh, 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 it was absolutely fantastic, and it was a great success. It was a great success. If you haven't seen it, you should look it up so you can see. There's a video posted. It was uh, a beautiful restaurant in Montclair called Fresco, and uh, it's Franco's restaurant. 
Okay. Oh, oh, there it is. Franco, there it is. <laughs> He's very, all right. There it is. A little yeah. ad for you. And uh, you're very welcome. Per- He's Franco. very persistent. He's very persistent. <laughs> yeah. And you're welcome, Franco. No charge for that. Don't worry about no, the commercial I send, content. I'll send them the bill. Yeah. <laughs> well played, Franco. Well played. Oh. I yeah, do want to give a shout-out to Tim. Tim is an avid listener to our show. In fact, when... Uh, when it goes the full week and he can't wait any longer for another show, he goes back into the archives and he's working his way back. back so eventually he'll get to the original one with Is Victor. Is Frankie Valley? I don't know. But working my way back. Back to you, yeah. Frankie Valley. There we go. But I'll tell you what happens when you go backwards in the cigar authority. Not that we're very good and we know who we are. Listen, we have... We can listen to these things ourselves. We know we're awful. But as you go back, it gets even worse. It gets oh, even that's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. The you evolution. Know, I, I had a radio show. Listen, you were show. there in the first one? I, I was. Yeah. You know, I had, most people don't know this. I had a radio show called The Smoking Super Deli Man. We, we think that we were the first cigar radio show ever. It was, a, it was an FM station. It was in Philadelphia. It was from 1996 to 1998. Good run. And we were terrible. We were absolutely terrible, but we had a great time. Doing I would kill. You for guys those are tapes. much better. You guys are much better. I would kill for those tapes, but uh, oh, it's uh, it is what it is. Yeah, there was no podcasting back then. It's probably on a reel to reel somewhere. I had uh, tapes. I was putting in cassette tapes and you know playing with the uh, you know the fade in and fade out and everything. And no kidding, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Smoking super deli, man. Gotta find that. Yeah. So you smoked cigars and talked about deli meats at the we same s- time? We smoked cigars and we talked about uh, the wonderful culinary experience that Philadelphia provides. So yeah. cheesesteaks. That's the only thing cheese I can steaks, think of. Cheesesteaks, pizza. And you're back in Philly now. The what? hoagies, yeah. The Is best there place. pizza in Philly? There's pizza in Philly, yeah. That's <laughs> it's not very good, but there's pizza there. <laughs> I don't even like the cheesesteak, to be honest with you. Oh, it's a different experience. Yeah. You know, in New England, you have the, you know, it's all chopped up and well, everything. Well, we have cheese whiz, too, but we I don't, don't have cheese whiz on a, on a cheesesteak. Not steak. on a cheesesteak, but we could go to the market basket, get cheese whiz, and put it on a cheese Why would you? Cheese though? whiz. No, I, it's a whole Philly thing, huh? I can yeah. imagine it. Three o'clock in the morning or something. You yeah, know, you're half yeah, in the bed. Yeah, then you've got to have something to eat. It's the busiest time when the nightclub's closed, sure. everyone shows up. I'm sure. Yeah. So you're back there. You, you came to New Hampshire for quite it's a great. while. Uh, 15 years in New Hampshire. Yeah. Now back to Philly. Yeah, back yeah. home to Philly, uh, close to parents, close to family. And, it's always uh, been it's, home. It's been wonderful. Yeah, you know, I, eat, I eat cannolis every day now. There we go. You don't look it. <laughs> but but uh, you eat cannolis every day. Um, we were, sure. uh, was it Thursday that you stopped by? Uh, were you here with Steve Soccer was here? Yes. Yeah, okay. So uh, oh, I yeah. remember the thing. And so he goes, yeah, I eat pizza all the time. And Dave and Steve Soccer both give him the finger as he's walking <laughs> out. Yeah, like, yeah, get you out. Don't, you don't eat pizza you can't every even day. Hang. Get out of here. Me? But you heard Armand gains like 50 pounds for a roll. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I don't know how he does it. I could do it, but the problem is I couldn't get it back off. Well, you if know I what? ever had to gain 50 pounds, I could do it over, well, for over you, a long weekend. You'd probably have to, do, you'd have to lose 50 pounds for a roll, and then you'd have no problem reversing it. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until you made that very statement. I was curious whether it was really you in there, because at 10 o'clock this morning, I offered you a cookie, and you said no. Yeah. So I thought you guys had an imposter here all day. I was until, wondering myself. Until he said I could put the weight on and I can't take it off. Yeah, yeah. now you know it's the Now I guy. know it's really dangerous. I was just trying to be a gentleman. That's what I was trying to do. And uh, <laughs> while you're enjoying life to the fullest, it's important to be more gentlemanlike. Here is our friend Chuck Morrison being debonair. Ladies gentlemen. Gentlemen. I'm a gentleman. You need a gentleman? Ladies, fasten your seatbelts. Switch on your electric. 
gentlemen. And this is The Gentleman's Way. It's brought to you by Debonair Cigars and Rum. Debonair Cigars provide its clients with suspension of reality. Time spent smoking a debonair can never be subtracted from one's life. Gentlemen, today I'm going to share with you a quotation. Let us not be content to wait and see what happens, but give us the determination, as Asante might say, the will to make the right things happen. It's about integrity. My question to you, gentlemen, because we'd like to open this up for discussion, Victor, is if you notice or find someone doing something of, uh, let's just say, shadiness or not doing the right thing, and you acknowledge that, you see that firsthand, do you approach that person and say something? I I found myself in this situation, and I wasn't sure of the exact answer. I did not. I elected not to interfere and respond. And I'm wondering if you guys... Well, what are we talking about? Someone beating their kid in the supermarket or... It was parenting, and yeah, yeah it was parenting, and uh, basically, the kid should have been in bed, and the parent just kind of let this child go about, you know, go amongst their own little way. You should be in bed. You should be. It wasn't. There was no discipline. I decided, you know what? I'm not this child's father. I'm not the parent. This is not how I would do it. But do I say something? And I elected not to because. I think that's the wise choice when it comes to parenting. If you're looking at someone stealing something, yes, you intervene. Yeah. Uh, but parenting, they're going to raise their kid the way they're going to raise their kid. Mind your beeswax. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I would leave it alone. And you'd even, if you saw somebody stealing, you'd if walk up to If I saw someone them, stealing, I'd walk up and I'd say something to them. You don't want to do that, right? Yeah. That's not really cool. A parenting, t- tough issue. Anything? Well, I don't have any kids, so I, I know absolutely nothing. So you know, I'll just uh, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. Whenever we were misbehaving and my parents were kind of like little lean on us, we always had my grandparents yeah. who were immigrants that were tough as nails. And they kind of stepped in and just scared the life out of us. And, you know, we just did whatever we were doing. they showed the parents, that's how you do it. Yeah, you got to hit the kids once in a while. <laughs> exactly I don't say you, you, you destroy them, but a backhander. <laughs> Go to bed. Boom. <laughs> that's how I grew up. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was 11 o'clock Sorry. at night. This kid's running around. You know, the parents are like, you should really be in bed. It's like, you should not, nothing. No, get to bed. You should be, you know, yeah, pick yeah. that child up and put him in bed. Yeah. Duck tape and staples. Yeah, yeah. Probably the gentleman way is to, to leave it alone and never go there again, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, that's the uh, gentleman's way. It's brought to you by Debonair Cigars and Rum. The question is, gentlemen, are you debonair enough? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, the town of Newbury, Mass. is the latest to join the movement for uh, raising the minimum age to use tobacco products. On Tuesday, the town Board of Health voted to raise the threshold from 18 to 19 years old. To change will uh, begin on July 1st. Several public hearings were held in advance of the vote, and uh, it was going to be raised to 21, but they decided to compromise to 19. Big mistake, in my opinion. Big mistake. Never compromise. Uh, the move is being pitched as a way to prevent 18-year-olds uh, from asking uh, friends to purchase tobacco products from them. This is at the same point that they're legalizing the marijuana and they're doing all this. It seems so ridiculous. But uh, uh, 17 locations are licensed to sell tobacco products in Newburyport. This is Newburyport, Mass., right? This is really close it's in really between close. our two stores yeah. right now. What do you think is going to happen to these 18-year-old kids that want tobacco products? They're going to go outside of the They're going to come here, and we're going to sell it to them. And all you did is hurt 17 yeah. poor retailers that are in Newburyport. And this is the Newburyport people that are 
putting this band on. As they, they don't even have to come all the way here. They can go just right over the city border. And again, and these are kids that can die for their country. Uh-huh. They can make the choice to enlist and, and go overseas and die for the country to fight for the very rights to use those tobacco products. And you're going to say to them, no, you're old enough to die for your country. Right. You're old enough to serve, but you're not old enough to smoke. It's ridiculous. And it even goes beyond that. You can start a family. You can start a business. I mean, you can make adult decisions. You can decisions. start a family at 12 years old. You know what I'm saying? Well, can I comment on what Mr. Jonathan Please. said? Uh, you know, recently I was watching the news, which I rarely do these days. I usually try to find some, you know, integrable stuff to read about what's going on. But, you know, I happened to be in a place where the news was on, and I saw that some legislation was written and is being proposed to stop our soldiers and troops and anyone in the military from using tobacco products. So just to kind of, you know, go a little bit further on what you said. So you you go in, you sign up for the Army or the Navy or, you know, whatever, Marines. I don't want to leave anyone out. Um, And you could take a bullet for your country to protect the freedoms of the country, Mm -hmm. but you can't enjoy the freedoms of the country while you're protecting them. That's a good point. No, it doesn't make mention, any sense. I mean, t- cigarettes, whatever. We all know how we feel about cigarettes. But even a small amount of cigarettes, tobacco in and of itself has a relaxing quality. These people are on the front lines doing the most stressful job that there is. Mm. What's to say that during their downtime they can't just kick back, relax? That's all they have in some cases. I can't tell you how many times, and we just had a soldier come in with a uh, picture of him and his buddies. We had sent them cigars overseas, and they took a picture right next to a Black Hawk helicopter. And the guy came in and shook my hand and said, thank you so much for your donation of the cigars. It really saved us. Wow. And he gave me a hug. And almost got an, a, an hour enjoyment of home, yeah, basically. Almost a tear yeah. in his eye because of, of being touched by the fact that Special. someone took the time to send him something. And I said, actually, I'm the one who should be thanking you. You're the guy over there fighting for the rights so that we can do what we do. Yeah. I didn't sign up for the military. You did. You volunteered. Thank you. And I want to actually I want to thank all armed services. I hope that any law that prohibits you from doing anything that you have the right to do in the United States gets stricken down for the ridiculousness that it is. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yep. I agree. That's it. It's time for the social media segment brought to you by our friends at Recluse Cigars. The cigars that were built on social media. All Recluse Cigars go through eight fermentation cycles for a course of two full years to guarantee you balanced flavor. Try a Recluse Cigar today. These are the best tweets I saw all week. A whoopee cushion filled with gravy adds a hilarious new dimension to a rather some tiresome practical joke. <laughs> a little gravy. Is that what you call it, gravy? I guess. Yeah. Oh, God. I think it's time for some of us to put down the Urban Dictionary and pick up a real one. Yes, amen to that. Urban Dictionary. I feel sorry for people who don't have dogs. I hear they have to pick... Something's written here. I I hear they have to pick up and drop off the floor. I hear they have to pick up... Oh, food that they drop on the floor. Oh, yeah, the that dog, is. The dog Somebody wrote it wrong. Ron okay. Burgundy. I feel they have to pick up what they dropped off the floor. Ron Burgundy. Uh, in the best tweet I saw all week, if blind people wear dark glasses, why don't deaf people wear earmuffs? Those okay. are the social media tweets I saw this week. 
Brought to you by our friends at Reclam Cigars, Rolled and Two Bar. The old Cuban way for an effortless and perfect draw every time. Every time. And Two Bar. Do you do that? And Two Bar? Yes. Yes? That's yes. how the, all these cigars are rolled? Yes. So this is the old Cuban way. Yes. Right? Hmm. Tradition. Art, culture, tradition. So that is rolled in little circular straws yes. as opposed to just folded. Yes. So it makes the draw and I'm finding no problem with the draw. None whatsoever. It, 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 really, it, re- it really makes balance. It makes the burn better. I mean, everything about it. It's just combustion, so have, consistency, balance. Okay, so as you see the, the room set up up here above Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, we're going old school. We're doing uh, a cigar dinner, and we got the uh, old gallons of Fatissimo wine. It looks great. And we got the uh, checkered tablecloths, and we're going to do the... Uh, that's my wine glass over there. What's it, that, about a two-gallon <laughs> glass? It is. That's for you. <laughs> You like your wine, I understand. So uh, cannolis, be, wine, you know, know, bread. We got, we got cannolis. We got rigatoni. We broccoli got rob. sausage cacciatore. We got the meatballs. We got no broccoli rob. No broccoli no, rob. No, it's green. Do we got some salad? I think we have you some don't salad. Any, anything and green salada. here, right? You're on we a have. diet. I don't eat anything green. I'm on a diet. Really, really. So uh, we're gonna go to break. When we come back. We're gonna look uh, at um, the top 10 knucklehead moves made by new cigar brand owners. We'll see if Victor Vitali agrees with these. I found them from Frank Herrera's Cigar Law. He says the biggest knucklehead moves. We'll share that with you. We got Old Fart Freddy back and a peek into the asylum. And the most important question, what's new? We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. You're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. I'd like to file a missing persons report. I've lost my one true love. Uh, what does she look like? She is like no other. Her skin, dark, simply gorgeous. Not slender, but firm to the touch. Well, we'll do everything we can for you, sir. The night we met over a fine scotch, it was love at first sight. Details. I need details, sir. Well, she's about five and a half inches tall. You mean five feet tall? No, inches. Oh, she's a mid, a dwarf, uh, a little person. No. She's a cigar. Ah, right, sir. Is she a Fleur de Lorraine cigar? The cigar that men around the world are falling in love with? Yes. Oh, I've seen this before. Louie! Yeah? Uh, get him a Fleur de Lorraine cigar and a list of United Cigar retailers to carry it. Fleur de Lorraine cigars. Simply gorgeous. Available only at appointed United Cigar retailers across the country. Fleur de Lorraine. Stop missing out. Mr. Jonathan, a shadowed figure spinning tunes on records that do not exist. Mr. Jonathan, a young cigar smoker on a crusade to champion the oldies, top 40, and yes, even country, with a host of DJs that operate above the mix. Mr. Jonathan is my dance instructor. Mr. Jonathan is my DJ. Mr. Jonathan is me. Mr. Jonathan is my DJ.com, your one-stop shop for everything DJ and sound production. Mr. Jonathan is my DJ.com. He reads the dictionary just for fun. He finds the minutiae of tax preparation enthralling. Years ago, at an open mic night, he was paid just to leave. He is the only man 
to win a staring contest with the Statue of Liberty. He is so uninteresting to women, he was forced to open a cigar shop to sell to men. He's not even a legend in his own mind. He finds himself boring. His family barely pays attention to him, and his mother refers to him as, Hey you, he is David Garofalo, the least interesting man in the cigar world. Not since Zeno Davidoff has a cigar retailer had a brand named after him. The man himself may be a bore, but the cigar isn't. Garofalo is a premium handmade luxury cigar using U.S. shade wrapper and a blend of Nicaraguan fillers and binder. Complex and very interesting. Garofalo may be the most interesting cigar in the world. It once won a longest ash contest without even being lit. You don't light a Garofalo, it lights you. Its flavor expands on your palate faster than the universe. It has been said that this cigar would be phenomenal as a Maduro, except it's perfect as it is. I always smoke cigars, and when I do, I prefer Garofalo. Keep smoking Garofalo, my friends. Hey, Jack, I finally found a cigar magazine that I like. Really? What's it called? Cigar Journal. What's so great about Cigar Journal? Is it really different from the other magazines? It is. Cigar Journal is all about cigars. None of the nonsense you see in other magazines. Really? Yeah, it has stories, reviews, and the latest news about premium cigars. Is it a little newsletter? No, I think you'll be very impressed. Cigar Journal has beautiful images, a thick cover, and is strictly for the cigar enthusiast. They cover cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. That sounds interesting. Where can I buy it? Cigar Journal is available at local cigar retailers and on the web at www www.cigarjournal.co That's cigarjournal.co I'll sign up today. Get the f*** out of here with that shit right now. You're the one who gets off whacking people up, pal, not me. Yeah, you come crying to me about Louis de Bono. No, you're partner for years, not mine. I don't know the man. You wanted to whack him, you could press me, I said, do what you want. Same with Louis Melito. Same with Shabetta. Your own brother-in-law, for Christ's sakes. You probably just f- city under my flag using my name every step of the way. My name! Obviously, Napoleon, right? That's Armand DeSante playing Napoleon. <laughs> yeah, apparently. No, that's playing Gaudi right there. <laughs> uh, great roles, great stuff. I, I watched so much of it get, get, getting prepared uh, for today and seeing, seeing a lot of the stuff that's there. And, uh, You're going to whack somebody today? Was that, was that I feel the, like, the prep I feel work? like uh, sticking somebody. You got the, gun, you got got the guns somebody. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you got little gun lighters we, we're giving out. With uh, little jet I love those. Those are awesome. They work. They're good. I didn't even know they still made those. Oh, they make them. They I make have them. one. Mine is old. I had, it's in a drawer somewhere. I like candles with it now. Here we go. I got to carry it. Hey, you think TSA will let me through one of those? No. Yeah. I'm going with no. I'm going with no. <laughs> I was surprised. I was just in Mexico, and I got some lighters. Uh, I threw in my shave kit, and uh, I got them through. So I was like the king in Mexico because I was the guy with a couple of lighters on me. They probably thought it was a nose hair treatment or really? something. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with that. I'll go with that. <laughs> does. You tell them if they say, hey, what's this? Oh, it's for my nose hair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know Willie Herrera? Yes. He does cigar law. He uh, represents a lot of people in the cigar industry. Uh, he has uh, tried his own cigar brands. Frank uh, Herrera. F- Frank Herrera. I'm Frank sorry. Herrera. Frank Herrera. Uh, on Cigar Law, I, I noticed uh, that he put out a little uh, blurb this week, and I said, who better to talk to than you about this, as I saw it. And inside is information um, 
on the 10 classic knucklehead moves made by new cigar brand owners in no particular order. I like so the I wanna, title. So I like I'm, it. Yeah, so I want to see if you agree it with, with uh, some of uh, what knucklehead he wrote Knucklehead really is an underused term. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a good one. In my opinion. It's a good it, one. It was, hey, Mo, Larry, and Curly, did they coin that? They, or I, think, that I think they I, did. I would say it was them. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, they Chuck, you know who they are, right? Of the course. Three, okay. Yeah, I know. Just check it. I know. Three Stooges. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Golden Girls? No. Never going to let that down. Yeah. <laughs> Betty Davis. We're going to call you Betty White from now on. All right. <clears throat> so they don't effectively research their brands by total sizes, names before launching what leads to a weak brand and future trademark disputes. You know, I'm probably going to reference the 90s a lot, you know, if you're looking for some feedback. Yeah. Now, you remember in the 90s, I mean, everybody had a brand. Yeah. And it was just terrible chasing terrible. And, I, I think we're right there again. And it was coined the era of Don Nobody. Dons, yeah. The Don Nobodies. Mm. Everybody came out with Don this, Don that, and they and, all took a dismal failure. And, it, you know, it's not, you know, and, and he knows this. This, is, this business. He knows because he's the lawyer fighting sure, this stuff. It's about tradition. And if you, if you can't be involved in that, then, you know, you really need to rethink what you're doing. Yeah. They believe that their social media audience accounts to a large percentage of their customer base or or possibly their whole customer base. I am so unpopular on social media. That you're, you the, you're, the, you're the worst I Facebook tried, friend in the world. I'm the worst I Facebook friend in the world. I tried tagging you today, and I couldn't I'm even find worst. you. I'm the worst. You know, you notice the amount of effort I put into my response. Oh, my so God. Just like, you know, the, the shoulder shrug that just says Yeah, I might have unfriended words. you. I'm sorry. You know, Facebook it, friends, I love you, but, uh, you know, I just, I'm not really very on good. it. Yeah. And you know something? You get what you pay for. Social media is free. It's free advertising, and you get... That's what you get most out of it. It's not very valuable. Yeah. Some, of the, some of the manufacturers, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm big on Facebook. You should take my brand. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I, I, you know, I'm on occasionally here and there, but it's not really my go-to-market strategy. So I understand what Frank's saying. Yeah, yeah. They open too many stores too quickly and are soon unable to provide the stores with the stock they need to stock. This, in turn, causes them to lose support from the first few stores that picked up the brand and set them out for unreliable, sketchy company. Very well said. Uh, my entire model, which is the appointed merchant model, is I don't open anyone unless I can satisfy the existing point appointed merchants who we have an agreement with, and it's a two-way agreement where hmm. we're not going to run out and open up a million accounts because you know, we need to keep our word and keep our integrity. Make, make sure I can get them, right? Because yeah. you know this brand is going to blow up now here. I'm going to need to get it. Correct. Right? And you know what? I, I have a waiting list, which I'm very proud of. Yep. And just recently I was in a, in a magazine, Rob Report, Yes, yeah. I saw that. The phone was ringing off the hook with retailers looking to pick up a box or two, and it's just not the way the product works. <laughs> so I steer them towards an appointed merchant who has the product that's been supportive since day one. And when there is enough tobacco to make enough production to open up several new accounts, I will satisfy that. So another great point. There we go. Mm. And, the, and the next one, desperate, which is a big word right there because this is the problem in this industry. Desperate to open new stores, they will soon discover that they are chasing delinquent accounts. Very true. So mm. you open up accounts that couldn't pay the bill in the first place, and now you're chasing money and your, your business itself, the back-end business, which people don't understand, but the back-end business sure, is... Sure, the back-end business is very important. I mean, you know, look, I may be sounding a, a very blunt. I mean, there's probably a lot of new cigar brand owners out there that are probably getting offended by what I'm saying. But, you know, maybe, maybe it should be looked upon as a lesson to, to what Frank's saying and what I'm agreeing to, which is it's, it's a marathon. It's not right. a sprint. Mm -hmm. That's right. So if you think you're going to come into the cigar business and get rich overnight... 
I'd love Jason, to sit down and listen you know, where this is coming from. Because T- it's tell not me how gonna it's going to happen, which is going to lead us to they think that attending the IPCPR trade show for the first, second, third, or fourth time will result in a wave of product orders for instant fame. How many years have you been at the IPCPR shows? Interesting point. Twenty years, and uh, wow. you know, you know, again, it's it's uh, if you give back to the industry, the indus- if you give to the industry, the industry will give back to you. Reciprocity. Exactly. Mm. And if you honor the traditions of cigar making, then great things will happen. If you're just in to rush and grab as much as you can and get out, like a, you know, a smash-and-grab burglar, yeah. it's not going to happen. Not this industry, for sure. Yeah. They believe that cigar aficionado gives a crap about them or soon will. Interesting point. You've never got any love from them. Um, I don't know. You know it's, uh, it hasn't happened yet. It's, it's interesting. How you know, are you not giving this a 95 rating? How are you not giving it a you know, I, I appreciate you saying that. It's interesting. We actually met with Marvin uh, about uh, three or four months ago, and he absolutely loved the cigar. We smoked in his beautiful boardroom. I don't know if you've ever been there. Never. But the boardroom is absolutely beautiful. I mean, there's so much history there. We sat with Dave Savona, Marvin Shank, oh, really? and, Good. Uh, Andrew Nagy, Greg Matola. They were all there. And uh, the history is just Brilliant in that office. Uh, Armand was on the cover of Cigar Aficionado. In 2008? Yeah. Uh, October? Or do you, yeah, I think it was October 2008. Yeah. So how about a little love? How about a little help? I think that, um, you know, I think <coughs> here's what I think with, with respect to Aficionado and all the other magazines. They, just like everyone else who knows something in this industry, they may be just waiting to see if it's the real deal. Right. You know, right, if it has they, legs. No one wants eggs on, yeah. No one wants egg on their face. They yeah. don't want to jump on, hey, you know what, let's go with these guys and then three years it's you know, it goes away. So I have a lot of respect for that. What I can say is I've been doing it for twenty years. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be around for another twenty or yeah. die trying. Right. So I can wait. It's a marathon. All yeah. right. They have no idea on what the price and flavor profile sweet spot should be to the competitiveness in the marketplace. It's a great point if, uh, if someone wants to be competitive in a certain category, and I have all these charts about you know, what percentage of the market smokes full-bodied, mild, medium, <coughs> dark cigars, light cigars, size, everything else. Right now, uh, the best advice I can give to a small brand owner is that there's no monogamy in cigar smoking. Yeah. And if you're loyal to one brand, as much as I want you to smoke my brand every single day, you're missing out. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. so much down there. There's so many different things to try. It's like wine. You find what you like. And, you know, the brilliance that I hear from consumers all the time is I like Nicaragua cigars because I do the same thing with wine. I like Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley. I'll try any brand that has that in wine. And the same with cigars. I smoke a lot of different cigars, mainly Nicaraguan tobacco because that's what I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, the bad mouthers uh, in the industry that you do not realize that this much. is a small industry with a wicked comma backlash. I like that karma. I believe in karma. I believe in positive energy, and um, it doesn't do you any good bad mouthing competition no, ever in doesn't. any business. It doesn't. Look, everyone's trying. Everyone's trying something. You know, I like to believe the good in people. You know, sometimes that smacked me in the mouth. You know, maybe several times that yeah. smacked me in the mouth or kicked me in the ass. But you know. Again, some people are in it just for the smash and grab. And, yeah, people are smart. They know what it is. You know, they know who's doing it and who's not doing it. Uh, they hire knuckleheads. Here we go, knuckleheads Here we go. again. Let's bring it back. As sales representatives that do more harm than good for their brand. 
You don't have to say anything. It's, I know you long enough. It's, yeah, a, that, it's a great point. Yeah. I, you know, I, I will say something. Um, the talent that's in this industry is, you know, it's kind of like baseball. You, you trade talent, right? And, you know, and, I, and I understand that. It's hard to bring in new talent into this industry. But, you know, you know with respect to what Frank's saying, they're, they're, you know, there's, there's knuckleheads in every industry. Yeah. I think we have more of them. I just think we have more of them. <laughs> Only because I know the industry oh too well. Anything on the list about uh, comparing your cigar to Padron and then being sadly mistaken? No. <laughs> nice. Because I heard that more than I care to tell at the IPCPR. Everyone with a box press cigar said, this, this is a Padron at $5. Oh, yeah. God. Good luck no, it with isn't. That. That's like me saying I'm as good an actor as Armand DeSante. Mm. There you go. Um, and the last question I have, uh, last uh, note that he makes here, as to those who, those without their own production system, they pay too much for their product from the factory. I think, uh, you know, in the cookie cutter aspect, I think that that is very true because uh, most people just want to own a brand and, you know, they'll just do whatever it takes to get a brand as quickly as possible. They're getting a brand from a guy that gets a brand from a guy. Exactly. And it, it... at that point, the, the price and costs double it's like up and triple everybody up. when they buy their first used car. They want the car so bad, it's the first one they test drove. As long as the radio and works, the, it's yeah, all Yeah, the matters, salesman right? made such a good pitch, they will do anything, including pay any interest rate for that particular, that particular car. It's the same, same concept. It's a rush in. All right, it's rush time in. to go into the aging room with Old Fat Freddy. If he's ready, here comes Old Fat Freddy. It's time to step into the aging room. Sometimes... Aging makes a great cigar even better, just like Aging Room cigars. They're made in small batches from rare and limited 100% Dominican tobaccos. And here in our Aging Room is Old Fart Freddy. Nowadays, people are looking for more horsepower, which means more torque, a bigger engine, and even bigger tool behind the wheel. In my day, more horsepower meant more sh- more feed, a bigger barn, oh, and more horses. Horses for men. Nowadays, kids complain about how expensive tires are, but at the same time, they spin and smoke their tires to impress the ladies. In my day, the ladies were very impressed by how well you could shoe a horse. You heated it, bent it barehanded, because your rawhide rancher gloves were still drying, and mounted it on the horse. Nowadays, with movies like The Fast and the Furious 1 through 6, kids want to keep their cars pretty clean. They wipe them down every couple of days, vacuum them every month, and pay extra once a year to have their ride detailed. In my day, the hot rod of choice was the jackass. They could pull more, they ate less, and they were just as ornery as me, even back then. We wiped our ass down, cleaned his saddle, and gave him a good brushing every day. I have always been an ass man. We were horse-powered, shoe-mountain, ass-wiping men. Sometimes, aging makes a great cigar even better. Just like aging rum cigars. Made in small batches from rare and limited 100% Dominican tobacco. Try Aging Room Cigars from Boutique Blends. Some things are better aged. Some are not. I couldn't hold out anymore. I just love horses, okay? What can I say? Always have, always will. What's the problem? (laughs) (laughs) I like when old Fire Freddy laughs at his own... Yeah. Crap. Yeah, he does. That's a good skit. So I got a, uh, I got a flavor coming from this Tortuga here. This is orange clover honey with a hint of cinnamon and also the sweet part of the cedar. There's no bitterness in there, just the sweet part of the cedar. Is it even close? It's brilliant. 
<laughs> it's brilliant. It's amazing because he's the, right. That's the best compliment I've heard all day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Because he's so right on with that. Well, you, you know, it's uh, it's interesting what people taste. The, the palate is like a fingerprint, and every you know everyone's different. And it, you know, it's really nice. Can I put that in the ad or something? Please do, because that's exactly what it is. <laughs> now I can taste nothing but that. <laughs> so uh, someone reached out to us. His name is Gordon. Gordon. And he's from Canada. We're big in Canada. Big in We're Canada. huge in Canada. I like uh, Canada. Maple leaves. I also listen to your show from Canada, like Rudy, <laughs> but often get a few weeks behind because I save them up and listen while on my mail route, and it helps keep me from getting bored while trudging through the snow for some days up to six hours at a time. I love you guys and look forward to each episode. Thank you for standing up for smokers' rights, and if you don't, Canada is the example of where cigar retailers will be headed. Ah. Britain is getting even worse. Wow. And maybe you need to draw people's attention to the horrible taxes that they face there. It's bad. Very bad. It's 100% tax there, right? Are you, are you out of the country? Ridiculous. Not in Canada. No. But uh, uh, Germany, France, Italy, and Norway. And because there's Cuban cigars in all those other countries, it seems like they're, they're taking well to uh, Nicaraguan tobacco especially. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, the market is tough because it's 80% Cuban. But people, again, you know, want variety. Yeah. And they want to try different things. And, you know, the offerings that are making it there, that are getting through the distributorships and, and making it to the shelves have been filtered like you guys were talking about. And when it's done right, you know, they're successful. Yeah. The thing I, I'm seeing uh, in the European market is you, the European market is looking at blended everything. Uh, they want blended scotches. They want blended cigars where a Cuban cigar is a puro. It's all pure, you know, pure the same thing. That um, I, I think they're, the intriguedness of um, smoking and, and, eat, and um, tasting things that are blended seems to be uh, hot right now in those countries. So uh, I'm a big Johnny Walker fan. You know, it's a... It's a blend. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. single malts were all the rage about 10 years ago. You remember all the cigar yeah, yeah. dinners we used to do? Everything was right. single malt this, single malt that. Right. And, you know, I was always like in the corner. I'm like, geez, I really like blends. I mean, you know, with all due respect to single malt, right. the blend was just always. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like an actor, I think you might be three, four years ahead of yourself. There you go. Because that's what, that's what it seems where it's going anyway. That's what I'm hearing uh, from my friends over in Europe that all of a sudden, listen, a couple of years ago it was almost 100%. So you're saying 80% Cuban over there was almost 100%. So yeah. it's coming along. What else you got, Mr. Jones? We need to step into the aging room. Okay. I'm not the aging room. I'm sorry, the uh, asylum. Take a step into the asylum. Let's do it. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men. Napoleon Bonaparte. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha. It's time for news from the insane asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news and stories, too insane to be true, but they are. Brought to you by Asylum Cigars, Take No Prisoners, truly flavorful medium-bodied cigars <laughs> with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 6x80, that's right, that's Asylum. The date was November 7th, 1874. The article was printed in the American Medical Weekly, and it recounts... The story of a Confederate field surgeon who dressed the wound of a soldier injured by a bullet that had entered the soldier's leg. The bullet ricocheted off the bone and carried its way through the genitals 
And coincidentally, the same surgeon was called upon a few moments later to administer aid to a young lady who had received a gunshot wound to the abdomen. Exactly 278 days later, the surgeon returned to the village and delivered a baby boy to the wounded woman, and the woman steadfastly maintained that she was still a virgin. That's right, folks. The bullet impregnated the lady. That's nuts. That's Asylum. See what I did there? Yeah. That's nuts. Brought to you by oh. Asylum Cigars. Take no prisoners. Truly flavorful, medium-bodied cigars with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the insane 6x80. That's insane. That's Asylum. They're coming to take That's me the away. tractor story on Seinfeld. That's nuts. That, that you got the disease from the tractor seat, right? Something. Rudy's, Rudy's Googling it for us. Yeah. yeah. Stay away from Snopes, Rudy. <laughs> Can't be true. Can't be true. I just report the news. That's I all. don't check on its facts. All right. Doesn't matter because that would take away from any, uh, anything good or any truth to the matter. Night to Remember um, cele- uh, celebrated their 20th anniversary this week in New York, raised $1.6 million. On April 1st, Marvin Shank, an editor of Cigar Aficionado magazine, stepped to the podium at the Four Seasons restaurant and held up a brown bag, brown paper bag that wound up raising a half a million dollars for prostate cancer. This is when they uh, sell wine inside. You can't even see what it is. And uh, somebody bids on it, and then they take the cork out of it, and they give it to you, and you drink it right there and then. So uh, black tie evening at the Four Seasons Grill in New York City. Present was Mayor Rudy Giuliani, Rush Limbaugh, along with uh, all the cigar celebrities and and many others. Rocky Patel donated a mystery bottle of wine that was auctioned off and fetched $100,000. And guess who won the bid? Rocky Patel, who re-donated it, and it was bid on again for $110,000. No kidding. Next was the Padron 50th Anniversary Cigars, packaged in a beautiful humidor, all designed by Nelson Alfonso, and the 50 cigars sold for $50,000. Wow. Wow. $1,000 per cigar. The cigars for the evening were including... Cigars aren't even out yet. Right. I saw what they're going to look like, though. I saw them. I didn't taste them, but I saw them. Aging Room Quattro uh, was um, the cigar they smoked uh, before dinner, followed by the Davidoff Nicaraguan and the Padron 1964 Diplomatico Maduro. Um, I've been to this event before. Sat on my hands. I bid once, but I thank God I didn't get it. Um, but it is a, uh, a fine thing they do. Raised $1.6 million and over $20 million in the past 20 years. So uh, good for them. Hats off to Marvin Shank and the folks for Cigar Aficionado. And who better than cigar people to do something like that and raise that kind of money. So congratulations and bells off to uh, Cigar Aficionado for a great night. Nice. What else we got? We got uh, a letter from Jay Wakefield. J. Period Wakefield uh, from Bangor, Maine. Uh, hey, boys. I've been listening to the show since 2011. I don't know if you've covered this or not, but my man cave is the only place that I smoke in my house. It's in the attic, so smoke rising is not a problem. What is a problem is the smell days later. Oh, boy. I've tried lighting candles and spraying every kind of spray, but they only last a short time. Is there a way to get out the smell quickly? And... Uh, I thought about this because we've been sitting on this mailbag for a little while, Jay. I'm sorry. Uh, it's got to be the ashtrays. It's the ashtrays. You've got to empty the ashtrays every single time. And I can tell you that 
Dave has his, uh, his Escalade that we go from place to place on. You get into it, it smells like a brand new car, and we have lit that thing up. <laughs> oh, God. Five guys in there all yeah. smoking two cigars at the same time. Yeah. It's riddled with smoke, but he cleans the ashtrays every single night, yeah. and it smells like a new car every time. So that's going to be the answer. And that goes for inside the store. We clean out the ashtrays every single night before we go. If you wait till the next day to do it. I was in the nightclub business before this business, and it would always be the stale cigarette smoke from the nightclubs, from uh, the stuff left there, and the waitresses would come in early and start cleaning, and the answer was they had to do it. But who the heck wants to do it at 2 o'clock in the morning when everybody's lit and everything? But that's the key. So when you're done with your man cave, you clean your ashtrays out, Spray everything down and stuff. Tomorrow you'll come in. If you wait till the next day, that's the smell. Can I ask a question? Yes. Anytime. Okay, so this gentleman says he's in his attic, right? Yes. Because I, I, I agree with you guys 100%, yeah. but there is one question. <clears throat> Usually in an attic, there's like exposed um, uh, insulation. Ah. So I'm going to go with this uh, Jay from Wakefield probably has it somewhat finished and that that isn't the issue. But I agree. He probably has it finished. But if, if, he, if, if he you don't, finish the attic. Right, because the, it's going into the, <laughs> the fiberglass yeah. insulation, and it's going to stay there because that's where it goes. That's has to go somewhere, right? That's yeah. like you go into um, uh, fine cigar rooms and stuff, and you'll notice the chairs are all leather. It's not cloth furniture. Right. You know why. You know, and that's the same with the, with the drapes and stuff. You don't want to have the drapes around and all that stuff. So, uh, hey, great show. It was no, awesome. Another it's one, over? Another one in the can. It's over. Big Two hours thank you gone. to Armand Asante for putting up with our nonsense. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So gracious of it, him. It just even weird just doing this across from him. Yeah. He's sitting right there That's staring right. at us. How humbling and uh, embarrassing <laughs> it is. But, uh, hey, it's behind us now anyway. Next week, we're back live again at 12 noon Eastern on thecigarauthority.com with some new smokes and some classic smokes you might have forgot about. Our ca- calendar is starting to fill up. We have lots of upcoming events coming to, uh, to a cigar shop near you. We'll tell you all about them. And... Um, that's it for now. Uh, we'll catch you next time. For Mr. Jonathan, Chuck Morris, and Victor Vitale, uh, Amanda Sante, and me, I'm David Garofalo. Thank you so much for listening this week and every week to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And when you're smoking your Tortuga Cedro Bellicoso. Or the Oravivo. Or the Oravivo. And you're pulling out the weird flavors like I do, and you know you tried at home. <laughs> you just got to be careful when you pick the cigar up to keep the lid end. Out of your mouth. Your mouth is not an ashtray. It doesn't belong there. Keep it clean, baby. See you next time. Bye-bye. If you enjoy the content presented here on the Cigar Authority, please consider leaving us a rating or review up on iTunes. We always appreciate when you tweet out links to the show or mention us on Facebook. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Same time, same channel. tell you about a fellow named Dave and the fact I have been buying my cigars from him since 1985 when they first opened up. Two Guys Smoke Shop. Now, Two Guys Smoke Shop have three convenient locations right over the Massachusetts border in tax-free New Hampshire. Now, here's something I bet you didn't know. Two Guys Smoke Shop is America's largest cigar shop and has the largest inventory of cigars anywhere. Wait till you see this place. You're not going to believe it, all right? Now, if you like cigars, you can't find a better place to buy them than at Two Guys Smoke Shop. They're in Salem, New Hampshire. 
Seabrook, New Hampshire, and their new location in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. It is worth the ride. You can call 888-2-CIGAR-2. That's 888-2-CIGAR-2 or on the web at twoguyssmokeshop.com. The best place to buy cigars anywhere is Two Guys Smoke Shop. It's Stogie Heaven. With a million choices, it's Stogie Heaven. 